Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I will be sitting in for the entire podcast tonight. <laughs> that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Just... No laundry will get done. Well, you know, laundry can wait until tomorrow. <laughs> it is lovely to hear your voice. It's been too I, long. I haven't spoken to you in forever. I know, right? Do you want to introduce yourself for the listeners in case this makes it in the show? Hello, this is Jeff Lester. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is... My name is Edie, and I am Jeff Lester's wife. I love the way you say that. That was like a game show. And I am Jeff Lester's wife. <laughs> exactly. And tonight... Um, Yes, exactly. I'm I'm very very happy to be talking to you, and just hear how you're doing. That's, I I know I'm hijacking this thing. I'm like, so how's it going in Portland? Yeah, no, it's great. I like I I'm sad you weren't up when when Jeff was up. I know. I At know. At some I wish point we have to do that next year, right? We will. We yeah. will. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and you'll cause... have to come down here. Yeah, at some point, right? It, it 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 would be nice to still haven't seen your place. You've been right. there for years. Bring the whole family. Bring your gorgeous. Oh, dog. you don't. You you say that. You don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but you really don't mean bring the whole family. Oh, uh, I'd love I, that. That said, I would love for you to meet Alfie, and Alfie yes. would love to meet you. I'm sure. I'm sure Jeff has told you a lot about that dog. Oh, I've seen photos. <laughs> I've watched videos, stories. I I I feel like I know Alfie. <laughs> Yeah, you're just like, is he a crazy dog who's going to jump on you? Yes. Oh, oh. That's probably, he loves to actually jump, like, properly full weight on you, which is cute and also painful. Well, <laughs> your dog has some size. I mean... Yeah, he, he's like, you know, 70 pounds or something, so yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. Like, Remy wants to be a tough guy, but he just doesn't have the heft. I mean, he does <laughs> all in his tummy, but he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. But, you know, he's I just a little pug. Just... You're just like, oh, he tries. He, he tries, does. but he can't do it. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I'm going to let Jeffrey um, do what he does on Saturday <laughs> it was, night. It was, it was lovely to hear from you, for real. It's yes. made me overclimbed. We should do a proper call. We should do a proper call we with should. apologies. Yeah. We should, absolutely. I would love that. All right, yes, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Jeff and I will start afterwards. Alrighty, well, have a wonderful night, and, and congratulations on your last podcast. Oh, it's all sad now. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. All righty. Bye. I'll talk soon. Bye. Ah. Phew. That was delightful. <laughs> that made my night, i got to tell you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It was really um, a few minutes before I was like, hey, would you jump on and, and open the podcast? She's like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It, it really, it really, it, for real, it made me happy. I've been feeling, like, all emotional about this episode all day. Mm. And that, like, that broke the tension, Jeff. Oh, I'm so glad, Graham. Well, that's also, also, excellent. Yes? I have a story to tell you that might also break the tension. And really, I think, set the scene. Oh, dear. All right. Let's hear it. Jeff, every Saturday, uh, I take the 10-year-olds to Plaid Pantry, which is basically 7-Eleven, right? right. It's, it's a local 7-Eleven gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take them... Because he always wants, uh, I mean, he always wants, like, you know, candy and treats, right? Mm -hmm. But he, every Saturday, and it's turned into a thing now, because it really is every week. It's turned into a thing where he's like, are we going to Fly Pantry? And it's like, yeah, sure. And, like, you know, I get something for everyone. Uh, but it's, a, like, it's it's like a, you know, a bonding thing for him. Right. Like, it's something that only he and I do. Yeah. Like, if I'm not around, it doesn't happen. Wow. Type thing. That's right? great. Yeah. Um, so that I did that this Saturday. 
uh, and I, you know, he picks everything he wants, and I get everything for everyone else, and like I have a big hat, like you know, arm full of stuff. He takes the counter, rings it all up, and he asks me to pay. I Jeff, I forget the pin number to my ATM card. Oh no! Oh. And let's flash back like three nights when I'm falling asleep, and. My pin number is not one two three four. I'm just going to say that right now. Right. But as I'm falling to sleep, the thought comes into my head: You think your pin number is one two three four? But what is one two two four? Like just one digit off, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm falling asleep. That's fine. And so today, I get the ATM, and I uh, not the ATM, it's the debit, right? To mm-hmm. to pay. And my brain's like, you can't remember your number. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can. Muscle memory. And so I type it in, and it's like, nope. Oh, God. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, what, what is my number? And as soon as you start thinking that, mm-hmm. you're doomed. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Because totally. your brain is just like, no, no, you, you're, not, you're wrong. Yeah. You can't get it right. Mm-hmm. So I tried two more times, and it gets explained two more times. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. But thankfully, my bank is literally catty corner to the, to the bad pantry. Right. Like, I'm just going to go over to the bank. Like, I can prove I'm me. Right. I can right. literally just go over there and be like, this is really weird, but I've had a brain fart and I cannot remember my ATM code. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me? Go over there. The bank isn't open yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at the ATM going, okay, I'm just going to put in the code here. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to remember. I'm definitely going to remember. Yeah. Now that I'm at a different keypad right. and I'm not I'm looking at Yeah, it's like an gonna... ATM that you're actually, yeah. it's just like, yeah, muscle memory, yeah. go. No. Ooh. Mm. Right? Mm. And I'm also keenly aware that if you get it wrong three times in ATM, it eats your car. Oh, no. Yeah, didn't you know that? No, I didn't know. Or at least in my bank. If you get it wrong three times, eat your card. Mm. Yeah, and again, my bank is not open. Mm. <laughs> and again, dude, dude, the flat boundary is like a bag full of stuff. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Also, the 10 year old has gone from thinking it's funny uh-huh. to starting to actually get worried. Yeah, I get it. Right, because yeah. I'm, I'm like embarrassed and frustrated, but also thinking it's funny. Because I'm like, I'm going to either fucking remember or like I live three blocks from this place. Worst comes to worst, I'm gonna go home. Right. And like someone else will go, here's my card, or you know, this is your your number. Because right. like Chloe knows my code, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's a punchline to that. Um, <laughs> God. And so I'm like, okay, last go. Like, I'm just going to do this because I, I think it's this, but I also think this is the number I keyed in the first time. Mm. And it was right. So clearly I just miskeyed it the first time. <laughs> so I go back over and I pay for it. Um, and the guy's like, you know, that's, you know, that's fine. Right. <laughs> Simultaneously, like, embarrassed for me and trying to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that the 10-year-old always wants is he wants a fountain drink. It's not mm. enough to have, like... a you know, a bottle of soda or a can of soda, a fountain drink is like the thing. I get it. And I was going to say, I've been assured by the, I don't like soda is the thing, but mm. I've been assured by plenty of other people that uh, he is not alone in this. Yeah. yeah that yeah. that is like scientifically true. Yeah. yeah. The fountain yeah. drink is, is, is just scientifically better than any other drink. Yep. So we paid and it's already like, it normally takes like 10 minutes to get there, pay and come back. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this point it's been like half an hour. <laughs> um, and I pay, and we take, we, the way that it works is you actually pay and then they give you the cups for the fountain drink so you don't steal anything. 
Mm-hmm. So he gets the cups and we go over and the fountain machine isn't working. Oh god no! Ah. And like it's kind of working in that it sort of sp- like literally spits the, the liquid out. Yeah. But it's not mixing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get a bit of syrup and then like water. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, they need to one... change their CO two tank in the back. No, Which... it's not. It's weirdly enough not that at all. Really? Um so I go to the guy and I'm like, I'm re- like I'm just causing trouble today. I'm really sorry for your your drink fountain isn't working. And he comes over, and at this point, the ten-year-old is just like, like he's he's in a state of you know not agitation but agitation. If that makes right. sense, mm-hmm. right? He's he's clearly in a like, well, everything's going wrong. Yeah, you know, and and the, everything's going wrong that you have when you're ten. We're like, mm-hmm. you know, they're all really minor things, but everything's going wrong, and therefore it's it's bad. Right, right. Um, what do you think breaks the tension for him? And you've met him. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, either the guy behind the counter, e- e- either either somebody farts or the guy behind the counter has like some sort of uh, video game button on his like vest or something. Neither the guy behind the counter comes, he looks at the machine, he goes, "What's going on?" And I show him, and the guy goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, the guy saying that, yeah, like his eyes just like lit up. <laughs> And he was like, oh. <laughs> and so the dude fixes it. It turns out, um, apparently, he had to tighten the nozzles of them. Oh, and, and then it worked out. Well, That's okay. what it was. Huh. Um, yeah, because I thought it was going to be a big deal. <laughs> it was like a two-second fix. Right. Um, so we leave, and like, I'm like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> this, I know this has been like a weird lot. <laughs> and he goes, did you hear him curse? <laughs> So and good. I was like, uh huh, I did. <laughs> he said, fuck. What? He said, what the fuck? And he was just like, that was so cool. <laughs> the backstory of this slightly is that it's always the same dude when we go every week. Right. Which and makes sense. Dude, oh, but also, like, this dude has started talking to, talking to the 10 year olds. Ah. Right. And not, like, you know, not in depth conversation by any stretch of the imagination, but basically, he treats them like he's a person. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. when you're ten, that's kind of rare. Yeah, right. Right, that a stranger will treat you like your person. Yeah, you know, you expect it from your family, you expect it from your friends, you expect it from your teacher, like random dude at store. Yeah, right. Like going, hey, how you doing? I'm like actually willing to listen to the answer. Right. Right. It's mind bending. Yeah. So, so this guy that's like, what the fuck? Right. It's really like, oh my god, he's the coolest guy. <laughs> And so that was my morning, Jeff. Wow. Wow, Graham. <laughs> and I was like, the day can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it did not get any worse. Anyway. Oh, no, no. The rest of the day was fine. Okay. Um, but no, I just, I, I thought that uh, forgetting the ATM felt like, A, I am incredibly susceptible to my own suggestions. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, I thought about it like three days earlier and then did it. Wow. really makes me go did i like hypnotize myself into doing it <laughs> that is kind of crazy that is kind of crazy um because again like i've had this atm for uh, this, this this code for years and i've never forgotten it before right like right. never yeah 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 um but then like the other day i just was like oh wouldn't it be crazy if you if you forgot it and then i did wow, wow. like i said i think i hypnotized myself i it sounds like it sounds like also, um, uh, 
listeners, um, I don't know, I think Graham mentioned this, but when I was I was up in Portland and we were hanging out together, I think I, I, we were at Powell's or something, and I, I bought something. Uh, with your watch? With my watch. blew my fucking mind. <laughs> it's true. You're like, I am, <laughs> I am such a lightweight. <laughs> well, so, but Graham, you can add your ATM card to your iPhone under Apple Pay. Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I am a Luddite for real, because part of me's like, I don't trust that. But here's the thing, like... I, wait a minute if I think I already have. Like, I'm fairly sure my Apple Pay has everything on it. I, I, but I it'd did, be interesting. I, but, okay, but the flip side of this is I also didn't take my phone with me. Oh. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't have done any good. Oh, okay. All right. Because my thing is, is, at least you don't have to worry about it eating your card if you're trying if to... If I have something else to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was my thing, was like, well, at least there was... Because we were, we were at the bank today, and of course I was being Mr. Newfangled, you know, taking money out with my Going bloop, doop, doop, bloop, 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 bloop. Exactly, and you just do not have to worry about your card getting eaten in that situation. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I would be lying if I said I'd ever thought of my card being... Uh, worried about my card being eaten before. But, right, uh, right. But today I genuinely was. You're like, for, oh boy. Like, I, I, for real, I was like, okay, is it blah, 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 blah. Oh, so here's the punchline. So I come back and I'm telling him this to Glickle. He's like, why didn't you just come back? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I that was the next step. But I was convinced I'd remember. And I did eventually remember it. So, you know, it all's well that works well. Mm-hmm. And Glickle goes, yeah, your your number is I just is when I say it didn't get one digit right. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, not even one. Wow. Such confidence. And I was like, no, it's fucking not. <laughs> not one digit. That's impressive. That's yeah. really, If you really think funny. of the fact that there's only 10 digits, right? Right. And it's a four-digit code. Right. You would think. <laughs> the chances right. of you getting at least one of them right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my nope. gosh. Yeah. But again, it said with such confidence. <laughs> too great. That is too funny. Uh, so. I want nuts. <laughs> right? It's like, hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back to uh, what is going to be our uh, ultimate episode, final episode of Hello, Newman, our <laughs> ongoing podcast about the life and career of Randy Newman. And... Uh, Tonight, and today we're going to be dissecting the song "Happy," oh, from uh, written for Three Amigos, and I don't think it actually shows up in the the movie, does it? Um, I don't know. Uh, am I literally saying something you have no idea about now? No, 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 no. I, mean, I know that. It, I know that. Of course, Newman wrote a song. He wrote like at least three or four songs for the movie, as well as he co-writing the movie. The movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, uh, Graham. I right. Yes. Blue um, Shadows. I I genuinely love Blue Shadows. Um from the soundtrack i think so i think the soundtrack was great yeah okay so he wrote a song called <laughs> this now is turning into a red newman thing i've just looked up the it's soundtrack good. yep um uh listing and sure enough there is not a song on there called happy uh a year years and years ago because i first heard this when i was still in the uk so we're talking like 25 years ago mm-hmm. um there was a box i put out around human stuff uh, mm-hmm. called guilty which you may or may not remember. Yeah. And on there, there is the demo of a song called Happy, mm. uh, which was three weeks and apparently he never properly recorded. And it's maybe 30 seconds long, and it is one of my favorite Randy Newman songs. Oh, wow. Well, I did, uh, did that the lyrics one. of which go, I woke up this morning with a smile on my face and a gripping hard on for the whole human race. I love everybody, and I want you to know I've got the world by the balls and I won't let it go. There you go. Um, I don't give a damn if they take me away 
I'm so fucking happy. I'm so goddamn happy. I'm so fucking happy today. That's the lyrics of the song. <laughs> and I love that song. <laughs> that song is great. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, yeah. So there I, you go. I was actually going to talk about Simon Smith and his Amazing Dancing Bear. Cause... Which is a killer and one of those songs that is cover proof, I feel. I've heard so many versions of that song, and almost all of them are good. It's funny. I only knew of three, and I'd actually never heard any of them until I started started looking into it. So. Oh, really? So what? Who did you hear? Uh, I heard the um, I listened to the Alan Price uh version or Alan. Which Price is the Price. version I heard first, actually. Which makes sense since it was the the hit in the UK. In fact, when when doing the research on Simon Smith and his amazing Nancy Bear for this episode of Hello Newman. I uh, I was I was quite surprised. I was like, oh wow. In fact it that and then Harry Nilsson of course does a cover. Harry Nilsson's version is great. Yeah. In fact I really had this moment of like, did Graham listen to Randy Newman's cover version of this last? Because I know he's so into, you know, Nielsen and I sounds... didn't get into Nielsen until like maybe six or seven years ago. Oh really? Oh okay. At all? I, I I like I don't think I'd ever heard Nielsen apart from everybody's talking oh. before that. Oh, um, weirdly enough, because one of my best friends in Scotland mm-hmm. um, was a massive Harry Nielsen fan, mm-hmm. and she would always, always, always be like, "You should listen to Harry Nielsen. You'd love him." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I I just never did. Like I just never <laughs> that did. That weird. Um, okay, but Grant, no, no, why? No, actually, that's but... not true. I can't actually tell you why, because I had heard one other song by Harry Nielsen, and it was Coconut. <laughs> um, because that's that does not necessarily she... inspire confidence. No, exactly, for... and that was the song she played, and she was like, you'd love it. And I was like, I don't, and if this is like the one you're playing to convince me, I don't think this guy's for me. Right. Right, it was like, um, and I didn't listen to him properly until, there was a documentary that came out. Right. A few years ago, called like "Who the fuck is Harry Nielsen?" or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I watched that uh, purely because I was bored one night. And it was on Netflix or whatever streaming service mm-hmm. it was on for a while. Um, and watching that and hearing all the clips made me realize that I'd heard lots of Harry Nielsen songs when he wrote for the Monkees. Oh, right, right. And I was like, "Oh shit, okay, cuddly tie." That makes sense. Like. I kind of like that song. And then watching that film and seeing like clips from his actual music, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's fucking great. Right, uh, right. But no, it really was only, like it was less than a decade ago I got into Harry Nielsen. Because mm-hmm. you know, I have not heard it, but he did a Nielsen Sings Newman, which I did. It's a great album. Huh? It's a really great album. Um, he does a version of Beehive State on there that's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Vine Street, his version of Vine Street is, we really are just getting really fucking yeah, uh, Randy Newman-esque. Uh, his version of um, Harry Nielsen's version of Vine Street is the definitive version of Vine Street, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Um, in part because it starts with, like, do you know Vine Street or not? I'm not sure that I do, which is weird. It's um, not ringing Vine a bell. Is, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a Randy Newman song, but um, he wrote it originally for I think Van Dyke Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with like a uh, a different song, and the the joke slash gimmick to Vine Street is it starts with a different song and then goes into the actual song Vine Street and the, this song Vine Street starts with that's the tape that I played when I hoped to make the grade mm. and it's like you know I tried to make it as a musician I couldn't hmm. right wow. uh, and then Nielsen and his album uh, does an entirely different song by by 
Newman at the start. And it, again, it's only like 30 seconds and mm-hmm. it's called Anita and it's amazing. Hmm. In part because it's it's Nielsen doing like his four-part harmonies but they're all himself thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like just great pop song that he does like literally a verse and a chorus and then it, it goes into Vine Street. Mm. But Anita is so good at the start. You're just like, well, shit. Like, I want to hear the rest of that song as well. <laughs> uh, but no, his version of, of uh, BF State on, on uh, Nielsen Sings Newman is really fucking great as well. Mm. Like, he's, it's, he's, he does some, you know, all-time great, maybe better than Newman versions of Newman songs on the album. Mm. Yeah, I should check that out. I should check that out. Because I have to say, listening to Simon Smith and his Amazing Dancing Pair, I was like... Yeah, this is okay, but this is not uh, this is not the transcendent take that I was I was looking for. So, um, honestly, no, but there's, I... like there was there was a bunch of different versions of that. Um, mm-hmm. That I it, I seem to remember, and I might be like entirely misremembering, but like I seem to remember it was sort of a standard for sort of like pop jazzy people for a mm-hmm. while because mm-hmm. yeah. you know it it kind of is right. Right. Um, there's a gender know, flip version that that someone did. I can't remember what what, are, what the name of the the instead of Simon Smith, it's it's not Simone Smith, but it's something. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, like but like Harper's Bazaar do a version. Yes. Um, right. and and you know there, there's 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 a bunch of different versions, and they're all again there's not really a bad version of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very sort of uh, jaunty, happy song. Right. Yes. You know. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Hmm, how do I put it? One of the things that I like about it is that it is a happy, jaunty song um, without the Newman-ish streak in it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, it's it's fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good the, uh, you know visceral undercutting of 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 this of the singer or the or you know the the character the, the right the, yeah of, yeah exactly um, the person singing that, it, that so. you know he newman loves to put in there yeah you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's what it's his favorite thing i think mm-hmm. like newman basically exists for people who don't really listen to randy newman or for people who and i know a lot of people who think this think that randy newman basically does one song right which is uh, over and over no, again yeah, which is right. not untrue right uh, I would argue that he does two songs. <laughs> um, no, well, that's not true. I would argue he does two types of songs. And mm-hmm. I think for people who basically only know Randy Newman from like his soundtrack work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've not really heard Randy Newman. Yes. Right? Because Randy Newman is, for want of a better way of putting it, a really good hack. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, his work for Pixar, his work for Disney, it's all like the songs are all fine, but also, you know, you can make the argument that they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Right, but then when you go back and listen to like his work, especially like in the seventies, mm-hmm. there's some just genuinely amazing stuff there. Oh God, there's so many great amazing things. You know, to me, where it's like just unbelievably the sort of mordant dark wit and the you know just sort of disturbing, uh, potentially disturbing lyrics or lyrics where you realize like the song more or less changes your perception of it changes like as the song goes on, which is really fun and sometimes even changes back. But yeah, I mean, I feel like he, you know, 
Newman, he comes from a family of film composers. I didn't realize. Yes, yeah, yeah. His, I knew I, that there was one or two of them, but like three of his uncles were film composers, and he's got cousins who are also film composers. And in fact, although Newman himself has something like 22 Academy Award nominations and his one twice, I think, um, his, his extended family has been nominated like 85 times. <laughs> So he's kind of wow. got this huge, like, anyway, it, it, you know, so, and he was, in, in that sense, very, he had a great musical ear, and I'm sure you know, he, like, put his ability to kind of mimic that sort of Aaron Copeland sound very well for his early soundtracks, well, I say early, like, he did f the film music for The Natural um, and uh, uh, Ragtime. Which yeah is... yeah right the ragtime soundtrack is lovely yeah I really really like the ragtime soundtrack exactly um I just just this week uh, Chloe and I watched the Sting which I haven't seen in like decades yeah um, yeah and it's great it's not a random human soundtrack uh, what I was going to say but uh, the soundtrack is God I can't remember who does it Mitchell someone mm. um it's it's very like the ragtime soundtrack is, oh yeah and like the the orchestration is both random human but also very Harry Nielsen. Mm -hmm. So therefore, like completely in my sweet spot, you know, it's 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 got Joplin's and you know yeah. ragtime like that, but it's the orchestration is just amazing. Um, no, but he he uh, the other thing he does is he his early like his early solo work mm -hmm. um, was a lot of songs that he wrote for other people. Yeah, right before you get to something like you know, uh, Randy Newman, I think is his first album or maybe twelve songs. Um, I think it's Randy but, Newman. Yeah. But before you get to that, like he's written for like Nina Simone, <laughs> do you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, like, totally. He's he's written for like legit people. Yeah. Um, and so you first he you listen to to those first like you know two or three albums, mm -hmm. um, and it's a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. All again, all of them are really musically accomplished. He he's always had an amazing year for melody. He's always had an amazing year for um orchestration as well like in the first right. few again it's van dyke park who's who's um arranging i think the first couple of albums mm -hmm. but he's like he's always had a very good ear for for instrumentation and, and and building out a song yeah um but the first couple of albums sound very much like it is a songwriter for other people who's trying to work out what he wants to do mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um which again is funny because so many people now know him just for his like his pixar work or something or like right. The Parenthood yeah. soundtrack, and again, those songs are all like I like them, but they all do sound very similar. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you've heard the sound like the theme song to Monk, and you've heard "You've Got a Friend in Me," right. and you've heard, uh, you know, you think of any other soundtrack song he's done, like something from Jameson Giant Beach. Yeah, um, they're pretty much the same song, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. he, he kind of just plugs in like the name of the character and plods along. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but those first few albums are wildly different. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Randy Newman songs is the goats from the soundtrack of performance. Oh, wow. Oh, have you heard it? That. No, no. It doesn't sound like Randy Newman at all. Mm. Uh, I might be misremembering. I don't think there's any piano in it whatsoever. It's Ry Cooter on guitar. Ah, uh, that makes sense. And it just fucking goes. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's not the goat. It's not the goat. It's um, Gone Dead Train. That's what it is. The goats, the goats from another album are in the same time. Mm. Um, Gone Dead Train is the song I'm thinking of. Um, and it's great. 
people who have your streaming services and music and so can just check things out, find Gone Dead Train by Randy Newman mm-hmm. and just listen to it and then listen to like any Randy Newman song of like last 10 years and you'll be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Did you know about the Randy Newman Orchestra? I don't. I, I still don't know about the Randy Newman Orchestra. Is it an, a Randy Newman Orchestra or is it an orchestra of people performing Randy Newman stuff? Actually, it is the weirdest thing where, because as you mentioned, he's always had this ear for melody. And before he turned to songwriting, um, he did background music for things like The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, Peyton Place, Judd for the Defense. And in fact, there's an entire album of Peyton Place music that was actually in, he composed the incidental library music designed to be heard in like when characters turn on a radio station or there's music playing on tv in the background like oh he my apparently god wrote a bunch of that stuff and I, then i want to hear that so bad Is right that so yeah i thought Is that was available um I, you know it's really funny i don't know because the album appeared in 66 and again credited to the randy newman orchestra and he's like he didn't know about the album's existence and he doesn't he doesn't include it on his official discography so i don't know if it's fallen into oh shit it's on it's on spotify oh is it oh my god okay well there we go yeah there's an album called original music from Peyton place by the randy newman orchestra from that's the one yep yeah that's it yep Oh yeah. wow! Okay. So, <laughs> sorry, everyone. We're not let doing this podcast anymore. I'm just gonna listen to this album. <laughs> and the other thing, when you mention uh, writing for uh, other artists, um, Simon Smith and his Amazing Dancing Bear came out of uh, uh, Newman was trying to write a song for <laughs> Frank Sinatra Jr. and uh, wow. he up. Uh, Apparently, what he, the the like the way that Newman remembers it, it was like supposed to be some sort of you know kind of schmaltzy number named you know with song being like the name of a woman's name yeah, like yeah. June or Maria or something like that, and he he was basically just banging his head together, and apparently he he came up with a rhyme for coat to wear and dancing bear, and that's and so he just basically swerved and he was like I can do it wrote that song yeah in fact he, he's very much like simon smith uh he really credits his kind of basically sort of leveling up his his songwriting and changing changing his songwriting um approach substantially that's amazing are you familiar with the the song lonely at the top yeah oh god yes you know that that was written for sinatra right yes and who never per, who never who, who, was, who was like i'm not recording that yeah it's so uh, great Again, for people who uh, are, don't, aren't familiar with the song but are familiar with Frank Sinatra, if nothing else, go and look at the lyrics of Lonely at the Top and you'll see why Frank Sinatra was never going to I, it. I just, I love it. I do love that because I really get why. Because it, it's so, um, it, it, you know, it, it sort of underlines, I guess, sort of the bullshit at the heart of Sinatra's kind of self-pitying Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for for real. Like, yeah. uh, you know, listen to the bands are playing just for me. Listen to all the people paying just for me. Yeah. Uh, all the applause, all the parades, all the money that I have made. Oh, it's lonely at the top. Like, Dude, do you want to try singing that, Graham? What do you think? Nope. Nope. <sighs> I'm thinking we're so I, close. We're so close. You were, you were so close. You had more chance of getting me singing happy. Why don't you sing happy, Graham? Nope. 
<laughs> See, I didn't think I really had that good a chance. Well, um, you had more of a chance. No, I say zero <laughs> is still <laughs> zero <laughs> had, either way. You had a good chance. <laughs> Uh, you'll be happy to know that I have been singing around the house, though, because um, it is the, the holiday season, therefore I've been singing holiday songs. Oh, but I mean, that would be great if you were willing to do it on air. No. I want, we should have a karaoke episode! <laughs> it's the last episode! Where are you going to be? Like, people are going to be like, you were totally off-key. You were like, I'm singing without any music to my friend on the last episode of our podcast after 455 episodes. I get really, really self-conscious about me singing. Yeah. Because I know I can't sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I've got to tell you, living with Chloe hasn't helped that because Chloe can sing. Oh, can like, she? Ugh. Like properly sing. Ah, that sucks. Um, and so it's one of those things where we will both be like absent-mindedly singing along to something, right? <laughs> like, then Chloe will just hit like a note. Mm. You're like, well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, right. That does. That kind of sucks. Oh shit. Okay, I'm just gonna shut up over here then. Um. I don't want, oh, so yeah, sorry, I was mentioning the, the um, holiday songs because you're not a holiday person, are you? No, I, I, not I, really. I, not, no, not, 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 not as much as I am a seasonal affective disorder person. So, yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm I'm sure we've talked about this in the podcast before. Um, you're familiar with the song Christmas is a Joyful Day by The Executor? <laughs> uh, it is. It is maybe the greatest Christmas song ever and I'm not being sarcastic because very few songs sound as just utterly happy hmm. as that song does mm-hmm. like it's called Christmas is a Joyful Day and you might think especially because it's recorded by the executor yeah you think that it's that's just that's sarcastic right right no it's utterly sincere mm. it's a Calypso song um, and it is the very sound of joy um, and so I, I, again, put this out to the whatnots out there. Uh, if you want to hear something that is simultaneously seasonal and just utterly blissful, <laughs> uh, Christmas is a Joyful Day by The, the Executor. We're just going to recommend songs all episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Until you sing to sing one of them. So. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well, you're like, we're going to be here all night. Yeah, so let's talk about Last Month of the Year by the Blind Boys of Alabama. It's another Christmas song. It's a classic. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed that you're not going to – you're you're just not going to do it. And and the worst part is because you won't – I don't think I will. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> oh. Uh... What's going to happen is I'm just going to randomly sing it later in the episode, and you'll be like, what? Yes, that will be great. Then I'll jump in, and I can start singing. So, But that's fine. So it's, you just got to do it at some point, Graham. That's Just at some point. Just at some point. I'm yeah. trying to think of what, what I would sing. But again, I'm really self-conscious about singing. So a part of me is like, no, never. Well, but like, we're not going out on this low note. <laughs> but it, but that's, so that's... that's a, a comment on the quality of my singing and the fact that I would be singing low. <laughs> You'd be singing low. That's great. Hey, you. Oh, God damn. You know what? I have to I have to make a, a shameful music confession here. Yes. Uh, which which is like there is a dude that I had been hearing about online, everyone talking about for it at least a decade, probably longer. But 
certainly in the last decade and i was like i should check this person out i'm like it just doesn't it doesn't sound like my thing right um and then i don't know how i ended up queuing it up on spotify but um i heard uh the old man is back again by scott walker and i was like holy fucking shit and um so I had, of course, I think everyone had heard the Walker brothers, at least in some way or another. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone knows the sun ain't going to shine anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is interesting because I think it was they played that at the end of maybe the last episode of Midnight Mass, uh, that Mike Flanagan thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. God, I should hunt down this song. It's such a good song. Oh, and it's, again, it's a great it's song, yeah. I don't even know who's, who sings it, but it was just kind of a in the background of my life kind of thing during the 70s or whatever. A- anyway um so yeah so i was like oh i should check this out and i was just like oh holy shit because for me also it was then i started dipping into some of the other solo album stuff and i'm just like uh, like kind of like oh my god this is perfect especially the old man is back again for me i was really like oh this is like how do i put it like finally um this is hardcore by pulp made sense you know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to say, Scott, well, like, if you get into Scott Walker, then, like, basically the last, like, two or three albums of Paul make a lot of sense. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, yeah, he, he produced the one in 2002 or something, right? Oh, was so, that uh, I Love Life? Or I, We Love I, Life, whatever it's called? I think so. I think so. I think so. I just know that it was the 2002 one, so. Uh, um, but, yeah. So I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Because all of a sudden, yeah, Cocker and the orchestration and the extreme like cynicism done in a super croony way like mm. it was like oh okay because like fucking scott walker covering jacques burrell and that's the other thing i've never <laughs> really been into jacques burrell that's another name that was like because my um one of my brothers is uh basically got his degree in theater in college and i remember him like talking about burrell and listening to jacques burrell is live and well and jackie yes right oh my god that is i love that song ah that's (laughs) see we should sing that you know oh god i could i honestly don't remember jackie i just sorry it sounds weird i remember the feeling of it i could not tell you the lyrics or the tune yeah, well, it's kind of all over. The but place. it is no, but it's 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 a song where like you feel it, right? Yeah, completely, completely. Well, okay, then... so now now I'm curious, where do you stand on Serge Gainsbourg? I you know kind of like okay, and I haven't really delved deeply into it. Like I, I feel like I've heard various Gainsbourg stuff that sounded. For, for lack of a better term, sort of when he moved into kind of his heavily sarcastic 70s mode, I think. <laughs> Have you heard the Ballad of Melody Nelson, the album? Uh, no. Or the history of Melody Nelson. It kind of, I think it's the Ballad of Melody Nelson. Um, that's the one you want to go for. Really? Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, I apologize for this in advance, but trust me, it is a concept album. Oh, it is kind of prog rocky mm-hmm. uh, in its right. orchestration of it. But, and also, there's a lot of spoken word as opposed to singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a spoken word in French, so good luck. But it sounds amazing. Right. 
like to this day uh there's there's a couple of tracks on there that just like i will listen to just for the the arrangement oh i believe it and I just just it. For like for again especially when you you know when you talk about scott walker like the um, shit i'm gonna have to look it up now i can't because because melody nelson there's a song called melody nelson on there mm-hmm. there's a song called the ballad of melody nelson and there's a song called melody wow all in the same album right um Sorry. Okay, the song titles are. You ready? The album is called the His Histoire de Melody Nelson. Mm-hmm. Melody strike one. The Bowels of Melody Nelson is track two. Wow. Vols de Melody track three. Ah, Melody track four. Nice. Track seven. Oh, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> so real. There's only like, there's only seven tracks on it. So it's, wow. it's relatively short, except right. like the first and the last track are both like eight minutes long. Mm. Mm. Um. But they are, I mean, just fucking amazing. Mm. But also, you listen to it. When was it recorded? Seventy one. So it's after Scott Walker. Then he obviously had been listening to Scott Walker. Right. We'll see. Because they sound yeah. very much of a piece. Right. Right. Well, that that yeah. Again, the thing that is insane to me about Walker is is you know also that he like the dudes the dude is like very much in our range you know what i mean like he he sings he sings pretty baritone and so singing along with him in the car i'm like oh like you know i can't hold these notes as well and i don't sound as oh no good, but, but, but... You, but you can, that's why i like singing along with billy bragg because billy bragg can't sing oh yeah right that is that is true yeah that's such a good you know? i've been listening to uh, ingrid bergman uh, uh, a lot on my drive back and forth to work which is just uh, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, and this is all because of Clay Clay got into it weirdly like out of nowhere mm. um, a lot of like his Billy Bryce first couple of albums mm. mm-hmm. you know which are just to this day just such wonderfully perfect simple songwriting you're right yeah you know and so um, like bluntly emotional in a way that still completely chokes me up like The Milkman of Human Kindness is the sweetest song that's ever been recorded Hmm. Um, it's it, because it's literally oh god I'm gonna, again I'm going to look up the lyrics of the human kindness because again they are shockingly simple because mm-hmm. he is like 21 when he's writing or something right um, if you're lonely I will call if you're poorly I will send poetry I love you I'm the milkman of human kindness I will leave an extra pint <laughs> there you go that's lovely if you're sleeping I will wait if your bed is wet I will dry your tears hmm it's just fucking lovely. Like, it's just fucking lovely. You know, and there's the, the joke of, like, milkman of human kindness, I'll leave an extra pint. Right. But it's delivered entirely um, sincerely. Mm. You know, or New England, which has the, uh, I saw two shooting stars last night. I wished on them, but they were only satellites. Mm-hmm. Which is, is lovely and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then the next line is, is it wrong to wish on space hardware? Which is a joke, and then line after that is, "I wish you'd care." Mm. So again, you're just right back into the like, you know, gut punch. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, um, we really are just talking about music this episode. I did not see that coming. Really? Oh, that's very funny. Because of we're, course we're like I was 40, like, "We're, we're gonna... forty-five minutes." Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, Graham. I got to tell you, uh, 
I want to thank you. I mean, there's many. We won't course, move into the we, official we are, thinking. We are, we are not editing this. So exactly. Can't go forever long. Yeah. So I'm I, seriously. I'm like shit. I don't, I don't have to edit. I don't have to do show notes. I am more than willing to run, run this are sucker out. What? No. no. I thought you told me I. You, you said I couldn't grab McMillan. You said I oh, didn't have to. Dude. I, I guess what I, I I guess when I was like don't do show notes. I think I just meant like don't do, like minute by minute. Right, just like to uh, you know, and we refer to blah 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 and blah 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 and blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, what you run. mean in like a general opening? Yeah, paragraph? yeah, just, yeah, just, just general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Of course, I'm not a monster, Graham. <laughs> I mean, I could be. I know you're. You're like that's not the opinion around this household, Jeff. But that's fine. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've got to ask, how, mm -hmm. like, how have you been feeling about this last episode? Because Whatnots, uh, secret behind the podcast, I was sick this week. Yeah. Um, I got, I think, honestly, it was just exhaustion. I think it was a combination of, you know, there is shit going around, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but exhaustion, because I slept like shit this week. I slept really poorly. Mm -hmm. And then um, Wednesday, I started feeling pretty sick. And then Thursday, I actually took a day off of work, which I never do. When I say I never do, it's the first time in three years. Wow. I've taken a day off of work for, uh, for being sick. Mm. Um, and I messaged you because I was like, I like, I'm sick. And I'm telling you in case it means we can't, do, I can't do the podcast on Saturday. And you were like, it's no big deal. And it was a really big deal for me. The idea that like we couldn't record the podcast when we said we were going to record the podcast because it's the final episode. Mm hmm was a real like really big deal for me mm. hmm. I, I was just like no we have we have to we have to do it we have to do it. we said we're going to do it we have to do it yeah i feel i feel like there is a lot of you're you're pretty good at the uh contractual obligation part of things like you know once we were you know sort of locked into doing three episodes a month um you know because of hitting that level in the patreon you really were like no we've got to make this work and i i remember even like a, f a few weeks back or a few months ago where you were like oh that's not going to count though because we were like recording on the 31st but like the episode was going to be released on the first or something yeah you're yeah like yeah, you're yeah like, no it, it's yeah, yeah. It, it that weirdly um i feel i mean a contractual obligation i guess is right but mm -hmm. I, I do feel an obligation of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, but but especially because it's the last episode. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have been like, well, sorry, everybody. That was it. You know what I mean? Like, I would have. Well, but, well, but part of it is also. Episode. Yeah, but like, you know, I would have trouble doing it next week. I mean, so would you next week. It's, it's literally Christmas Eve. But um, but like Chloe's family's coming into town. Right. Right through the week. So that would like. That would cause difficulties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I did have this moment of like, oh shit, okay, no, we have actually a relatively short window to to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And if I am sick this weekend, mm -mm. that is a big problem. Whereas I'm like, we have the uh, the biggest window ever after. Exactly, this. as long as we one day do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that was it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to get up to uh, close the door because a cat has just decided to open the door. Oh no! Don't. No. Uh, I'm. I'm going to. No. I mean, I can. I can do it while talking to you, Jeff. Oh no! I. I just meant no. Don't. Oh wait, that cat I? in. Yeah, I do. I just have to remember to unplug your computer, which is the thing I forgot to do. It's like, why am I pulling all the electronics? <laughs> <laughs> 
here, and then I'll actually put something in front of the door to stop the cat doing that again. Um, no, yeah, that's true, but I, I very much was coming at it of the opposite of, like, no, we said we're going to do it at this point, and so we have to do it at this point. Right. And also, and this is this probably speaks much more to me being weird, if we didn't do it this year, it wouldn't count. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that does not, that sounds pretty weird to me, Graham, I gotta say. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's very much like, well, no, because then, then we would have stopped. <laughs> oh, I see. So if you had made it to the end of the year without recording it, you would have been like, no, that's it, Jeff. It's over. Yeah, if, if we had like a two-week gap or th- I guess it would have been like a three-week gap. Wow. Between episodes. No, we would have stopped. <laughs> Graham McMillan, like, Jesus. Like th- no, because we have three weeks. We have three weeks. Uh, we have three episodes a month, right? So we had to do the third episode this month. Otherwise, in my mind, like it just wouldn't count. Uh, I'm, I'm... I'm not saying I make sense. No, I'm. I, you know, the thing is, is I'm like, no wonder why you and Edie get along so well, because it, it really is. Is like, this deadline is simultaneously ironclad and arbitrary, and it's yeah, right. It just... It's a deadline we made up. Yeah, and in particular, I made up. Yeah, but I'm also like, I can't. There's no wiggle room with this deadline. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and what's really funny is, like, for me, there's wiggle room with everything else. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I can find wiggle room in almost everything else. Mm-hmm. Any any deadline that someone else puts on, that's not true. If it's a work deadline. See, that's uh, it. I, I 100% feel like if I slip on those, then that is, like, a deep personal feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To the point where this week... I, uh, we've got an editorial ca- uh, calendar of offers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally like what stories are supposed to go live when, blah, blah, blah. And I looked ahead because I do that. Right. And I'm like, oh, what should I be thinking about for next week? Uh, and I get a break for Christmas, which I've told you. Like, I get time off, which I have not had forever. Yeah. It was like paid time off. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to look at the start of January. That's kind of like, I've just got this week and I'm only working half of this week. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to look at the start of January. And I discovered that, like, there are multiple things that ha- I've, uh, some of them have been talked about, some of them hadn't, that I am down to write Oof. for the first week of January. Mm. And I had this vote of, like, oh, shit, I should start thinking about them now. Right, right. And I had to stop myself being like, nope, don't, don't do it. Mm. Don't. Don't ruin your your vacation by being like, nope. You have to you have to plan all this now. Mm-hmm. But the the sense of deadline mm-hmm. is there that it's just like, okay, yeah, I, I, you've got to take care of this. Mm. Oof. Yeah, no, and I do think I actually really do think that that like the the idea that you guys are both um, self employed, both freelancers, I think to me is not anymore for me. Well, no, I know, but you have those deadlines to hit. But, like, I mean, you, if nothing else, you also had, at least up to a, a point, like, obligations with other. Like, you've got multi, you still have multiple clients, even if you have a main employer, I guess. You know? Yeah, only, only until the end of the year. Yeah. And then, then, I'm, then I'm sold. Then, then my, all my non-compete kicks in. Oof. Well, anyway, so yes, uh, yeah, crazy. It's it's. I'm glad, listeners, that Graham almost did, made this episode not happen, but thank goodness. <laughs> he... Yeah, but I was, I was, I was super anxious. I was really, 
I really have felt like this um, this obligation of like no we have to do it mm-hmm. even though and I, I think this is just me I'm fairly sure this is not you even though I had this moment of I don't know what we're going to say in the final episode oh yeah no I, I, I didn't know I, I, you know where, yeah. where it really was a sense of like I I you know should we say something you know, should we try and say something profound, which is always a bad idea when you try and say something profound? Mm. Um, or should we, you know, should we just act as if it's a regular episode? Like, you know, what should we do? Because it is the last one. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, and I did, like, that started to get um, kind of in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was like, oh, no. But also, <laughs> uh, you know, and then with, with uh, shocking me powers... Uh, did I prepare my top ten list? I fucking didn't. Dude, I didn't either. I didn't either, which is kind of uh, weird and embarrassing. I will tell you one thing that I did do to try and fulfill my obligations. Please. For the podcast, lovely listener, Martin Gray, uh, started basically asking us to talk about and discuss Tom King's Supergirl miniseries uh, in part i think because martin wanted some discussion about it wanted perhaps maybe to be talked into liking it or he just wanted um he just fucking hated it and wanted me to hurl invective uh i i firmly think it's the latter yeah i i'm sort of do as well and i Martin, I have to apologize. I made it five episodes in, issues in. I think it's five. Maybe I started on six. And I, I just, I think I'm partway through six. And I, I tapped out. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I, oh, earlier oh, today. Jeff, you missed the last episode. You missed I, the last issue. I which I think, I think would have, uh, would have cemented you firmly in the Martin camp. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because I knew, I think you had summarized uh, the mm-hmm. final issue quickly including the oh yeah no that I, 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 I think i definitely did it off. yeah i don't know if we did it on the podcast i de- i know i definitely told you off the podcast yeah and um, i was like what so maybe yeah, doing a it, little bit of that but yeah it's but uh yeah it's it's uh it's an acquired taste <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny i like i like tom king a lot I, mm-hmm. you know that's that's no mystery that's no disguise here yeah i find his superman supergirl stuff like the hardest stuff to enjoy hmm. interesting you know it's uh, which is funny because i think his uh whatever it was called the up in the air it's a bird up in the sky yeah up in the sky i thought i thought it up in the sky was okay and in fact supergirl leans honestly a little too heavily on that formula i was uh, gonna say supergirl to me felt like i see i prefer supergirl to up in the sky mm-hmm. um but i think the thing i find difficult for both is i feel there's a sense of um cynicism mm-hmm. uh that is trying to be disguised i guess mm-hmm. I, I i feel that in both series king uh, it tries to do the Grant Morrison thing of deconstructing, but then going, but no, these characters are so good, they transcend deconstruction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without properly making that final step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're just left with this, like, yeah, but what if Superman just got punched a lot? 
<laughs> you know, and he keeps going because he's Superman. It's like, yeah, but of course he does. Right. You know, like there, there, there feels like there's no revelation there. Yeah. You know, it feels like it's it's stating the obvious and stating the obvious in this situation where um, the framework is unnecessarily ugly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think I think that's again I prefer Supergirl to to Up in the Sky, but I think that's especially true of Supergirl. Oh yeah, the Supergirl stuff just very true of like yeah. you know unnecessarily ugly setup mm-hmm. and unnecessarily ugly surrounding mm-hmm. for a payoff that I'm not sure really lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I may sit down and grind through the last two and a half issues, but I mean, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying don't. Well, I, I'm, so for me, on the I mean, one hand, I, I see I, your point, of a, and I might side of a, no, a completed tendency, like right. I don't think there's a payoff that's going to make it worth it for you. No, well, it's true, but I, how do I put it? Is like then I can at least get to the end and be like, oh, I agree or don't agree or whatever. But yeah, no, I probably, I'm very torn. Like basically, as of a few hours ago, it was like, sorry, Martin, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be able to read this uh, and let you know <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> slash, start a fight with Graham about it. So, uh, hold on a second. Let me see. I I think I hit a button here. And, I don't know if it, I don't know if can you still hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay. I don't, I don't know what. Also, that is. I haven't heard the pop that happens when you mute yourself. So. Yes. Well, I'm not sure I have muted myself uh, on this. I mean, episode. I can hear you, so you've definitely unmuted yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <Brad. laughs> appreciate appreciate the context there. <laughs> We're actually communicating via telepathy. See, that would have that's when that's when you would have found out that it was like, oh, he's high, so he really is going through his checklist of everything he wants in the final episode. So, do you have a checklist for real? Well, yeah, I think I mentioned it when I was on the episode with you and Chloe. It was like, sing a mini episode of Hello Newman. I see. I literally thought you were joking. <laughs> my god oh my god so uh yeah well i mean it sort of makes sense because of course harry i'm t- talking about hello newman our randy newman ongoing randy newman podcast and you were like ah. See, th- this is a, this is going to be funny when you and i actually start just posting hello newman episodes to the feed yeah that's kind of that would be wonderful that would be so good i'd like pret- like all out of order as well oh yeah 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 well that's the thing so that we're cracked like, me what's up happened? And we're like it's 100 episode 163 and we've reached sail away. Well, see, that's that was my joke. That literally was my joke about talking to Simon Smith and Dancing Bear was the idea that we've been doing this at doing this podcast for thirteen years, and we were finally on you know sail away. So, I'm glad you had the same <laughs> joke. Not so glad that you stole it out from under me, but that's okay. I decided not to play it because I didn't think it was relevant at the time. But you know, you you've taught me. I shouldn't save my material. Uh, so yeah, so top ten <laughs> list. Like, we can piece uh, something okay. together, Graham. I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. open up well, my well, web browser. Both of, us, both of us would agree that Ducks is the book of the year. Yeah, right. I yeah. like, and I don't think it. I don't think really there's anything that comes close. Uh, I'd argue thing comes closest might be that Zoe Thurgood book. I I liked it. Oh yeah, let's talk about that Zoe Zoe Thurgood book. So. What did you think of it, and what did you did you see what I meant by the the influence of of Bo Burnham's inside on it? I very very much did. 
okay. see the influence of that when I finally watched Inside. Mm-hmm. Um, did I talk to you about Inside, or, or am I imagining that I talked to you about No, Inside? you just told me that you had you had watched it. So I'd be um, really quite curious as to what you I feel like in I feel like I... I for context, I watched Inside like literally like three weeks ago when Jeff mentioned it, because mm-hmm. I had not seen it. Um, and that is to my detriment because mm. I think Inside just doesn't play right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Inside feels uh, cliched and obvious in a way that probably wouldn't have three years ago. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and there was a lot that I got sort of annoyed at in it. Right. That I really strongly suspect I wouldn't have had I watched it when it came out. Interesting. I kind of think that you would have, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I remember, uh, I remember my mindset in 2020, and I remember my mindset in 2021 mm-hmm. concerning COVID mm-hmm. and concerning the lockdown. And I think that stuff would have would have um, been fresher, but also I think I would have empathized more hmm. in a way that now, when I watch it, I'm kind of like, get over yourself, you know. And some of the jokes feel very different in, for want of a better way of putting it, a post-Trump society. Oh, interesting. Hmm. You know? Um, and that's not the fault of, of Bo Burnham at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very clearly, very specifically meant to be a record of a, a particular time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably a very good record of that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also uh you know, at, at a point where I have seen the things that have been influenced slash parodying it mm. before it's not the actual thing. Right. Um, so the things that might have seemed fresh definitely don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that would have been uh, sort of contemporary seem dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there, you know, there's all these things that are, it, it's like, um, you know, no, no one who wasn't there, anyone of, of, you know, anyone below the age of 30. Right can't hear Revolver by the Beatles mm-hmm. in the same way that people heard Revolver for the Beatles when it came out. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you know everything that it's influenced. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh shit, that, you know, I know that harmony from this song. I know, you know. Um, and I think it's a similar thing. Not that I'm saying the Bob Burnham's Beatles, but um, but I do think there's this thing where you you are you are familiar with so many of references because of what it influenced. Right. So when you go back to the original thing, you don't get the real impact, mm. mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so, like I said, like what I watched, and I was like, "Yeah, this is cute, <laughs> right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, and I know intellectually it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I know intellectually it's it's actually a much more impressive piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a work again that is a record of a particular time that, uh, but it's also like sincere in a way and heartfelt in a way that I think is important, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I just out separated from that original context. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot of that just didn't work for me. Hmm. Um, that said, I I do very much see, um, maybe not influences, but like parallels with it's lonely at the center of the earth. Like mm-hmm. right? so, are good. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this for for what not to strangely enough don't hear what happens after. Jeff and I start recording. Jeff mentioned Bo Burnham because I was talking about it to Jeff a few weeks back, and I said it really reminds me of a Charlie Kaufman film. Mm-hmm. Not of mm-hmm. any particular Charlie Kaufman film. 
but it feels very much like Zoe Thorogood is familiar with Charlie Kaufman's films, uh, and especially things like uh, Adaptation, mm-hmm. um, which is very uh, formalist, but uh, practically informal formalist, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like the, sort of this very self-conscious, I am tearing, taking down the conventions. You know, deconstructionist, but trying to be really casual about it, mm-hmm. um, feels very much like what Thurg is doing in this. Mm. Um, I got to tell you, like when I started the book, mm. I was really annoyed at it. I was, I thought it was just gimmicky as shit. Ah, interesting. Um, and and I admired pieces of it, and I found it interesting enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I necessarily really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, until the convention stuff. Mm. I think the convention stuff, for people who don't know, uh, it's only at the center of the world, is a stylized, partially fictionalized, or at least partially redacted memoir mm. um, yeah. of a period in Zoe Thurgood, the cartoonist's life. Mm-hmm. Um, she's... Uh, very talented and she's very uh formally driven you can't read this book without going oh yeah she's like she knows her shit yeah. like she studied comics right, right. yeah um absolutely. and in a way that i think sometimes gets in the way of the, mm-hmm. the work to be honest um but uh she's also very young mm-hmm. and i feel that that's actually appropriate in discussing the book oh very much so yeah because I think uh, a lot of the book is about Zoe's um, experience in certain things and certain relationships for the first time. Mm-hmm. And and uh, coming to terms with the fact that she doesn't really know how to come to terms with them mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you have her doing... I mean, it's, it's not a, a real-time memoir. It's not a diary. Mm-hmm. Find stretch of imagination, no. but it feel it has an immediacy mm-hmm. that makes you think that like she is actually working the stuff out on the page, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know looking back from a few years you know forward and going ah I saw it's it's the difference weirdly enough between um, ducks and this right. It's an interesting I, comparison. I, yeah, I, I feel I feel that ducks is very much. Kate Beaton has had the opportunity to actually sit down and think. What was this experience? Right. Uh, what did this experience do to me? What did this experience do to the people I know and I love? And how can I best communicate that to someone else? And I think that it's actually something that she has very clearly considered and reworked and gotten to a point where it's it's very much the story she wants to tell and yeah. the experience she wants to express. And I feel that... Um, the Zoe Thurgood book is is almost the opposite, mm. where it's like I'm feeling things, <laughs> you know, right? Um, and I don't mean that in a negative at all. No, no. Because no, one right. of the things that I think is really good about is Lonely at the Center of the Earth is, for all that, as I said, like you know, it's partially redacted, and you know, there's definitely things missed out. There's, you know, purposefully so. Um, you feel it, like you feel it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's emotionally raw in a way that Ducks isn't. You know, it's funny. Well, on the one hand, I, I think I agree. I definitely agree with you in in the sense of 
it's the work of a young person and it's the work of it's it's a raw work but you know it's funny the part of part of why it still makes me think of Bo Burnham's inside is um like like that is a really one thing that strikes me about inside that made me think about uh it's lonely the center of the earth is the way in which the feelings that are there that that inspired the the thing whether it's the musical skit or the staging of the scene or the page of art that is created in the graphic novel is it's felt but then but also there's a lot of frustration on both the there's a lot of you know um Bo Burnham's inside is a very very self-conscious work which makes sense because it is a work about being self-conscious I suppose yes you know and that is very much I think the same thing going on uh in in it's only the center of the earth where she is aware that she has to craft a a a follow-up graphic novel and a second one but hitting a number of real um obstacles like you said sort of you know in in the charlie kaufman adaptation sort of way in the sense of like i'm trying to create something and i'm blocking on it and part of but part of the block is her awareness that uh, I, I think I think both it and inside have a lot to do with the sort of um, somebody who's always wanted more than nothing else to be an artist and now that they have become it are not sure that they want to be it or rather they're not sure if being an artist means that they have to pay the price that they are currently paying which is an inability to to actually um experience anything authentically for longer than a second before they begin um wallpapering over it with whatever they're going to make turn it into i think Mm -hmm. and I mean, the other thing is that, um, and I think this comes across really well in the convention scenes, mm-hmm. is that she wants to be an artist and she wants to make the work, and then she does not want to be perceived as as having made the work. Yeah, right, right. Which honestly, which I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Like I, I empathize with that strongly. Hmm. The idea of just being like, no, 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 you, okay, but you seeing me is a problem. <laughs> Right. And I think I, I do think that there is something there as well. The idea of how how do I how am I how am I seen? And I think that's probably the part where it also feels very much like a young person's book in that sense, you know, because I feel like at a certain part down the road. I mean, I think if you get to my age, you just uh, there's there there's just such a little tattered flapping piece of cloth where the flag of my vanity used to fly you know and and, but 
but I definitely remember feeling those feelings and, and can on any given day of like, oh shit, like people are seeing me, but they're not seeing me the way that I want to be seen and I have no control over this. And again, the thing that she is aware of and one of the things she keeps coming back to in the, the graphic novel that is really quite powerful is when she's creating art, when she's in the center of this world, she has complete and utter control of that. And that mm -hmm. is... Um, incredibly seductive and it's what she wants and even as a there is the simultaneous awareness of is it keeping her separate from other people from being able to connect with other people and again being out in the world is it heightening her feelings of discomfort because she does not have you know precisely all these people coming up to her and telling her that she is the future of comics and feeling like you know she doesn't she doesn't even know who that is like because she can't she doesn't feel it or she can't be it but that's what's being projected on her that's like the very hardest of the things that are outside of her control trying to measure up to that expectation had you read the impending blindness of billy scott no i went looking for it after i, I was like oh this has got to be on hoopla and it, it was not so i have not picked it up have you uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, it was, oh God, a year ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of those things that like all of a sudden just made a lot of appearances on like best of lists at the end of the year. And I was like, I've never heard of this. Right. Like, and so I will buy it. <laughs> I, I say that I think Chloe ended up buying it first because both of us had the same response of like, what is this? Like, right. mm -hmm. um, I, I think this is by far better. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, the impending blindness of Billy Scott is, very much a first book mm -hmm. um it's a good book but it's it's not uh it, it has a lot of flaws that i think honestly come from like first book syndrome mm -hmm. right because you know so many people who come out with really impressive first works you're still like oh but still you know there's there's awkward shit right you know mm -hmm. um another of my favorite books the year this year was um of all things clementine the Tilly Walden Walking Dead oh, book, yeah. mm -hmm. which right. I think is fucking great. I Did really, you... really like that. That's really wonderful. Um, um but like I, I, because I'd read uh, On a Sunbeam. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. the, like, her first, second book. I think it was yeah. On a Sunbeam. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm gonna go back and read the earlier stuff. I'm gonna go back and, and look at the earlier stuff, and. Again, like Tilly Walden has always been really fucking talented. Mm -hmm. Like from day one, Tilly Walden shows up and it's just like, oh, I know how to do comics. And the same is true with Zoe Thurgood. Mm -hmm. I know how to do comics. Like I can tell this story. Mm -hmm. And the flaws are not in any technical aspect, but in like an emotional lack of depth. Mm -hmm. um, which again comes from being really young and telling these really ambitious stories and not being able to fully inhabit them. Mm, mm -hmm. Which is true, I think, in both of Tilly Walden's early work and, and in Impending Blindness of Billy Scott. Um, I think that, like, especially Impending Blindness, I think, wants to make a point and wants, wants to be, like, a grand statement. Mm -hmm. um, and just misses the mark. And you can't, like, complain about it because, again, like, it's still this really impressive work. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's funny is, like, Tilly Walden's second book third book um is 
to my mind, still like one of the best things she's ever done. Hmm. Um, and it's it's this basically like wordless graphic novel of full page images hmm. about the the dissolution dissolution of a, a relationship between two girls. Hmm. Um, and their relationship is signified. It's it's told through um, landscapes hmm. and text messages. And it is, I mean, it's just fucking extraordinary shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's 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 blow your mind good. Mm. Um, and it's funny because part of me is like, oh, I, I I'm not sure she ever got better. Mm. You know I mean, mm-hmm. spinning is the book I'm looking up. Spinning is the book that I read. The 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 um, ice skating slash, uh, you know, teenage angst book that she mm-hmm. did. That was, that was the first thing. I love this part. It's the name of the book that I'm, that I'm saying is like just amazing. Mm. Um, and, and it is. It's it's it shows a mastery of comics and a mastery of um, withholding details mm. of, of of giving the bare minimum mm-hmm. um, to be able to tell a story, but also understanding the visual metaphor in a way that so many people don't. Mm. You know. Uh, understanding that you can with like an unanswered text message and showing a particular landscape just have this emotionally devastating impact on the reader mm-hmm. you know in a, in a way that others other people would be like you know and i say other people you know people who have been working in comics for years mm-hmm. would be like no 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 i've got i've got to you know i've got to really make sure that people understand this mm-hmm. And and Walden instinctively knows, like, oh no, I got to hold back, right? <laughs> like, if I say any more, you'll know too much. I've got to hold back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that Thorogood isn't there yet, which might be unfair. Like, let's wait and see what Thorogood's done in like two books' time, right? Um, because again, her technical skills are fucking amazing. Oh yeah, just through the roof, right? Like, like Thorogood is technically an astonishing artist mm-hmm. and also really good in terms of pacing mm-hmm. um, and really good in terms of I love I don't want to spoil the end of the book but I love the interplay between image and lettering at the very end of the book wow. um, that I feel is used in the service of a cheap joke almost mm-hmm. uh, a cheap joke born of I think self-consciousness mm-hmm but I think it's still a cheap joke. But just the fact that like she did it and she gets away with it mm-hmm. makes me go, oh, she's really fucking good. <laughs> like she's really fucking good. Right, right. And it sounds terrible, but at some point, Zoe Thurgood's writing is going to catch up with her skills in every other area. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be unstoppable. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. One of the things that really impressed me about her uh work is um like like you said her writing when it really catches up is going to be is going to be great but i actually thought that um her her dialogue is fabulous like it's really she's one of those people who writes witty dialogue that's genuinely witty so i'll be kind of curious to see but you know that's only one aspect of things but kind of in that sense of like wow she's really good at so much you know um so yeah the, like it's funny i was like oh what, what do you mean her writing her writing's great but i do i do know what you mean in the sense of um yeah just kind of those 
kind of some of those larger uh deeper skills but like i was i was reading but, her, but I was it's, like... i mean it's it's so good mm-hmm. like I, yes you know i i feel like i'm complaining a lot no no but no, i no, do no, want, no, no. I, like i really do want to emphasize like this book's fucking amazing yeah no 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 it's i i understand all the caveats uh but yeah i would like, i would e- definitely... even with the things i don't like about this book i think this book's fucking amazing yeah is is uh is is on the list of the the best of the year for you yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like, too. is is really up there. Is mm-hmm. really up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Clementine, the Tilly Walton Clementine book, I think is really good, in large part for me because I don't like The Walking Dead. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's. I really. I. It's just. It seems like the obvious thing to do with The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Like turn it into a YA book. Mm-hmm. And like turn it into a YA book, a YA book where again like the very thing that annoyed me about the Kirkman book, which is like, it's so slow mm-hmm. entirely works in his favor as a YA book. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you're given, I, I mean, I, I have no idea how many pages it is, but I'm going to estimate it's like, you know, somewhere around 200. Um, I, it feels like you still managed to get a significant chunk of story. Mm. Um, in a way that like, you know, when you're reading 20, 30 pages, uh, a month mm-hmm. won't get that, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I I think it's I've just looked up it's two hundred and fifty six pages. Um, also like I again Walden is technically really good, right? So like the art is beautiful throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing is really good. Uh, by which I mean like the visual pacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I think it's. I, I do. I'm, I was like, oh, if The Walking Dead was like this, I would have had a lot more time for The Walking Dead. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, that's very unfair, right? It's an entirely different beast. Mm-hmm. But it succeeds on all the levels that The Walking Dead didn't succeed for me. Well, and I think and I think that is, that, I don't know, to me that is important. I don't, I don't think it's unfair at all because it is very much, um, it's very much a... Uh, what? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's hyped as a Walking Dead book. You know, it's set in the quote-unquote Walking Dead universe, and it's got the character from the the Walking Dead video game, which is a seriously hugely successful part of the whole Walking Dead uh, sort of franchise, I guess. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's. So on the one hand, I think it's fair, but yeah, you know, it's fun. It is funny how much I've been resistant to reading it. Like as soon as it came out, and of course it went straight on Hoopla. And I'm assuming is still there. I'm like, oh shit, I can just yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. And then yeah. just dragged my feet on it. So, um, which is I don't know. It's probably for the best. I I, <laughs> I don't think that I necessarily would have wanted to have a full discussion about the book um because i think that it would have circled around to you kind of being well yeah but you love the walking dead jeff and so let me ask you like now that there's actual characters in it uh how do you how do you feel about that does that does that detract now that there's a recognizable (laughs) human being in a book is that is that a problem here's my favorite part of this that sounds so much like me, and I'm also like, I know there's black characters in Walking Dead. I just think they're badly written. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Night Eaters, the Marjorie Lou and Santa Takeda book. 
uh, is on my list as well. Uh, what is what's the uh, name of it? The Night Eaters: colon, She Eats the Night. Nice. Um, it's great. Have you read it? Mm-mm. It's uh, so you're familiar with Monstrous, right? Yeah. Read Monstrous. Yep. Yep. Uh, so what if the people who did Monstrous had fun? It's mm-hmm. basically the thing. Yeah. It is. It's a uh, the first and I think a trilogy of YA graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And it sound. I feel. I hate saying this. I genuinely hate saying this. It gave me very strong everything everywhere all at once vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which feels really lazy because it's also about like an Asian American family. Right. Like who have, who have difficulties communicating with each other mm-hmm. and the daughter's connection to the mother. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like, I just see like, you know, that theme and I'm like, Oh, the two things are very similar. Um, <laughs> right. The reason I think, the reason I think that it is, or I did make a connection is that in both cases, it uses a genre language to answer an emotional problem. Mm. Mm. And everything everywhere all at once, which I'm sure you've seen, Mike. But we must have talked about that by now, right? Uh, you know, it's funny. I did see it. I don't know if we really talked about it because I saw it so much later after you did. And also in that weird, like, I don't want to say that, you know, it's like, oh, in the moment it passed. But I think that for me, I was like, there was there was a lot to admire about it, and there was a few things I really loved, but I also found myself um, left kind of cold uh, a little bit by what I thought was um, some kind of sloppy formalism, as opposed to some more nailed down mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I I think yeah, it, it, I think uh, almost in the opposite of inside. I think I saw it at exactly the right time, not only in terms of like you know culturally because people were talking about it still, yeah. but also emotionally. Um, you may or may not remember like I had a really shitty start of the summer, like mm-hmm. a really bad one. Like Ernie died and like various terrible things were happening. Yeah, uh, and I saw it basically at the tail end of that, mm-hmm. and I think I was very ready for this like story that was overwhelming and exhausting in a way mm-hmm. of saying like sometimes you can love something so much that it just kills you <laughs> right you know um i think i was very ready for that story i, I think i i needed the uh not even emotional uh, catharsis of that but the the feeling of recognition of that mm-hmm. um so like I you know I have a I have a lot of love for that film. That's easily my favorite film I've seen this year, and it's been a really good year for films. Um, it's easily my favorite film I've seen this year. But I think part of that is I saw it at exactly the right time. Mm-hmm. Well, you no, I, I think so. I think so. I think and I think it it really did. It resonated with people then, and I could see a lot of people for whom it would still it would still uh resonate i just found my like I said it it, it it there it's sometimes it's that weird thing of when something is so your jam and yet that somehow all but gives you like a little too much um 
uh, knowledge into like not not necessarily knowledge, but just kind of a, like if it doesn't, it should be a perfect bullseye, and somehow by not being that, it it almost feels like it entirely misses the mark, which is just deeply deeply unfair. So, and there was a lot there was a lot to like about it. There was I certainly was entertained. Um, entertained and, and moved i just at the same time when i by the time I finished it up i was kind of like meh okay you know. you're like yeah yeah that's enough <laughs> yeah right um sorry so uh, sorry i got us completely off track um, yes, the sorry. night eaters uh it does the night eaters is is a very different type of story and mm-hmm. it's a very different story uh but uses the language of horror films mm. and language of horror to um to not only sort of answer the emotional arc of the story, but like everything everywhere all once again, to do so in a very not serious fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I don't think that the promo for Night Eaters talked up enough is that Night Eaters is really fucking funny. Yeah, that's what you said. Dumb shit. Right, right. Like, it, it's not afraid to just be a stupid, silly book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very much in its favor. Mm-hmm. Especially because, mm-hmm. like, you know, as I said before, like I don't think Monstrous is particularly funny. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think Monstrous at times can be humorless. Right. Uh, and so I definitely went into this be- like going, well, you know, I, it'll look beautiful, but I'm going to be rolling my eyes at times. And I roll my eyes because I am laughing with it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, you know, the name itself, I guess, gives you a clue. The Night Eaters Call and She Eats the Night. Yes. Not, not a serious title. Right. Um, but it, it, in many ways, feels like someone is doing uh, an American love letter slash parody of Junji Ito at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of great. Like, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. Mm. Um, so it, it's, it's on my list. I feel I should add some, like, some superhero books. I thought Judgment Day was far better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which one's Judgment Day again? It's the it's a Marvel crossover. It's the oh Avengers right X-Men. right the Sorry. AXE Judgment Day. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's far better than it's any right to be. Hmm. Um, and feels like that rare thing, which is to say a crossover event that is about something. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of feels like a miracle. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know. Kind of, kind of feels like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, and I, I also think that now that it's starting to appear in Marvel Unlimited, I'm digging into some of the crossover issues, mm. uh, and it raises the game on a couple of books. Hmm. Uh, I think, especially Al Ewing's X Men Red, mm-hmm. uh, really benefits from from basically this external influence mm. that forces changes on the book that the book was clearly heading towards. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like, you know, it, it, it fucks the book up in any respect, but it feels like it, it's this thing which manages to basically step in from outside and go, no, mm. thought you're doing X and now you're doing Y fuck you mm-hmm. in such a way that honestly kind of thrilling as a reader. Mm. Um, and so yeah, that that was a that was a surprise, you know, genuinely a surprise win. And I say that as someone who thought that um, Gillen's Eternals was really strong, mm-hmm. but I, did, I had I had very little hope for the for the crossover, and it it 
continually just impressed me mm-hmm. all the way through to the end. Um, so yeah, that that was great. Um, it's Jeff on Marvel Unlimited. Mm. Just is continually just charming as shit and has some of the best cartooning around. Oh, God, yeah. Guru Hero's artwork on that yeah. is every single episode. Guru Hero's artwork on that has just beautiful illustrations. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful work. And Kelly Thompson's writing on it is again really charming and really simple and, and really mm-hmm. um sentimental in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Sentimental in a way that, that feels really uh emotionally satisfying as opposed to clawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I put that on, and Tom Taylor's Nightwing I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like I've I feel like I've named lots of books, Jeff. You name some other things. Well, Graham, so here's the problem. Uh, I will, I will, I shall. However, before I do so, I think we actually have to play two rounds of my four manga. Otherwise, some of the books. <laughs> Then I talk about, you'll be like, oh, I know oh, what that is. You just I'm talked made, about it. Okay. Let's go. All right. But before we do that, um, uh, Sky, who's a, a listener, um, actually uh, sent us an email with a contest, My Four Web Comics, um, that I thought we could play that round and then i can um text sky and see if she will oh no actually she gave me the answer in a dm okay. so i can actually <laughs> read that um, so. I, I okay i will get this wrong i will tell you that oh, right now dude i'm the same way my my four web comics so her, yeah. her okay. letter is like hello this is a little embarrassing but i just finished the last regular episode of the show a day or two ago and didn't realize i missed the q a until i was too late i wanted to celebrate one of my favorite parts of wait what and turn the tables with one last round of my four manga my four british comics with a field i'm fairly confident you two wouldn't know web comics so here are the four web comics, and then you and I can each guess which one we think is fake. Yeah, but you have the answers, you say. No, but I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Okay. I don't know. In fact, I told okay. – what had happened was I was going to bring this up in a previous – I think the episode we recorded with Chloe, and then we never got around to it. But okay. I had reached out to Sky, and Sky was like, okay – I will send it as a DM in Twitter, and then I will cover it up with a few other posts so it won't you won't auto see it. So I I still have not seen it. So, okay, first web comic, Cucumber yes. Quest, a fantasy oh, adv- a, a fantasy adventure starring a rabbit named Cucumber who'd rather be studying than saving the world. Yeah, I no, I actually know for a fact that's real. Oh, you son of a bitch! All right, so Cucumber Quest, second, Hole in the Wall. Uh, an ensemble book set entirely at a supervillain bar. It starts with a gag-a-day news stripper strip format with villains talking shit and gossiping in static panels that look like booth tables. It eventually builds up to a finale where the art suddenly changes for a couple of full-sized pages about a bar brawl where one of them makes a literal hole in the wall. <laughs> okay, that sounds real, but okay. Okay. The Rock Cocks. The what? Ra- <laughs> the Rock Cocks. The rag-to-riches story of a couple who risked everything to pursue a career as a band. Their act catches a talent agent's attention with a gimmick that threatens to turn the music world on its head fucking live on stage. 
Okay, that sounds fake, but it also sounds real. Right? Yeah, it's very well crafted. Uh, 8-Bit Theater, a comic made entirely of art assets from the 1987 video game Final Fantasy. It starts as a straightforward parody of the game, with the characters bumbling between a few of the key plot points. But as more unique ideas keep getting introduced, the art gets more experimental. Uh, It gets with the sprite comic format, eventually falling completely off the rails. Okay, so that's our four to choose from. Yeah, that's, those are the four. Uh, Cucumber Quest, Hole in the Wall, The Rock Cox, and 8-Bit Theater. And we're guessing which one is fake? Yes, yes, Grant, that's that's how it plays. Three of them are real, one of them is fake. I mean, it's got to be Rock Cox, right? You know, except it's such a, like, it so clearly sounds like, plus... Web comics I mean, maybe, usually maybe, pretty heavy on the yeah, porn. No, I'm exactly. actually, yeah, I'm going with hole in the wall. I'm pretty sure see, eight... hole in the wall. Hole in the wall just sounds because you're saying cucumber quest is definitely real because right. there's a print edition of cucumber quest. Uh... Although maybe like I know the print edition. There's no web comic, and that's the that's the like. Oh, that would be I'm a counter, clever twist. Like I'm counter guessing, right? Yeah, right. Um, there I know there is a comic called Cucumber Quest. Right. I know that for a fact. All right. Um, see, I just assumed Hole in the Wall was real. It could be. It could be. Because the other thing is, so the rock cocks, Cause, cause rock by seeming sounds... so fake, seems like yeah. the red herring. So like, alternately seems real? Alternately, 8-bit theater, which sounds so absolutely like web comics that I've seen and or yeah, never that, really that's what I was into. thinking. I was like, it just it sounds too it sounds too obvious. Right. The one thing that makes me think it might not be real was that they named the video game and it was one particular video game. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that's one of the things that like feels like almost too much detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So is that going to be your guess? Part of me was like, this isn't a swerve, right? It's not that all of these are real, right? I, One of these is definitely fake. You know, I trust Sky. I haven't seen the answer, but I'm sure that... Okay, she... I'm, say, I'm saying it's Rock Cox is fake. You're saying and Rock you're Cox. Saying it's, and you're saying it's A-Bit Theater. Uh, uh, Rock Cox is probably real, though, isn't it? Shit. I think Rock Cox is real. I really think Hole in the Wall. A Hole in the Wall. Yeah. Okay, I'm sticking... I'm <laughs> Shit. Okay, I'm sticking with Rock Cox. Okay. As fake. But part of me, part of me thinks that it's a swerve and all four are real. Okay. Well, let's let's see here. I'm going to open up Twitter. Um... Wait, but are you going to get all the answers, or is there only one round? There, there's only one round. There's okay. only one round okay. Of, okay. of my four web comics. There are two rounds of my four manga, which I know okay. the answers for because I okay I wrote it. You, it's yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Sky says it's hole in the wall. And I'm going to send another there message to cover up the preview. Yes! I mean, Congratulations! Yes! Thank you. I'm very surprised. And please, Sky, thank you. That was really, hole that the, was hole really rough. Seemed, hole in the wall seemed far too real to me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I actually, Cucumber Quest also sounded, had a little bit of the, it sounds so real, I thought it was fake kind of no, thing. No, but again, like, I've seen, like, a print edition or something. Like, I, I knew, like, I knew the name yeah. immediately. So I, I think like, it's no, I think it's hilarious that you were like, 
I'm going to get all these wrong. I don't know any web comics. And the first one, you're like, oh, that's real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's but Graham McMillan. There's a edition or something because there's a reason I know that. Right. Um, Because, hang on, I've just looked it up. Oh, do you know why I know it? Because hmm. the fucking 10-year-old reads it. Ah, genius. Genius. Okay. Yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. Sky, thank you for that. I'm really... Yeah, no, that was great. Yeah. That that was great. Yeah. It was also kind of... And also, Hole in the Wall, like, completely... I I honestly was like, it's between Rock Hawks or or, um, Abit Theater. Yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well-crafted, Sky. Okay, Graham, are you ready for mine? I, I think my so. First, my, first, my first round of my four manga. Go. Uh, all right. So what I did was I prepped I prepped paragraphs on each one because I feel like whenever I talk <laughs> so about it, you're always like... Okay. So are you going to read me the entire paragraph and I don't ask questions? Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to read you each of the four paragraphs uh, and then maybe you can ask questions. Maybe. Okay. I, read, I, read me the paragraph, or you could just read me the paragraphs and don't let me ask questions. Right. Because I feel like the, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying I feel like it's always the questions that I I figured out was. Oh, it's it's you're always you're always brutal. You're always brutal. It's the worst. It is the worst. Like the, so. Okay. Really so so be. let me just let me just go off the the paragraphs. Don't let me ask questions. This time. Graham McMillan's lie to me, where you go in and you manage to always figure out who the criminal is, but like under like the most annoying of conditions okay round one uh therma roma it's a sign and comedy manga by uh mari yamazaki it's about an ancient roman architect who's having trouble coming up with ideas until a hidden tunnel under a spa leads him to a modern japanese bathhouse (laughs) he creates his own spa based on the innovations he sees there and then subsequent chapters have him facing various problems by returning again to Japan through time and finding the solutions. That's, that's the first one. Okay, that's amazing. Thermaroma. Thermaroma, yeah. Okay. Uh, second one. My girlfriend is a tilde. Uh, by it's a, a what? Is a tilde. A tilde? T-I-L-D-E? I, Okay, I don't even know what Tildy is, so this is going to be fun. It's that, it's that, okay, well, hopefully when I read the description. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, hopefully this yeah. makes sense. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, it might just go for this, because I don't know what a Tildy is. So, by Agara Tanu and Jun Shosito and Manda, it's kind of a fun, lighthearted introdu- introduction to graphemics. Gojo-kun is an introductory study student in high-level linguistics in danger of failing until he stays up so late one night trying to study, he falls into a deep slumber and wakes up in Phenomena, the land where clans of rogue graphene symbols battle it out with phenome symbols for control of the land. And then Princess oh Tildy God. is is basically a princess. So the graphenes are diacritical marks, which is what a Tildy is. It's a, it's like a little it's like the little swervy mark that pops up over um, vowels okay. and things. So, okay. Uh, firstly, firstly, uh, <laughs> like I, I think this is amazing. Uh huh. 
and I'm my first thought honestly was you were really high when you came up with it <laughs> but that means nothing because uh, I was in the local library today and I saw a manga called is it, it was something I can't remember the exact title but it was something like is it poor etiquette to pick up girls in a dungeon yeah and I feel that this is weirdly on the same vibe so right? absolutely so yeah yeah maybe maybe you're right anyway on you go next one uh, dungeon toilet by roots when Yotaro talking of dungeons yes indeed a dude who values his privacy time on the john dies he's reincarnated into a fantasy world and dedicates himself to creating the perfect toilet experience through what? things like dragon scale toilet seats and using slimes for wiping using slimes for wiping slimes for wiping yep um, i really hope you didn't make this one up and then the last one for round one trapped in a dating sim the world of otome games is tough for mobs it's by yomo machine that's the name yes that's the name that's the name of the manga uh and it's about an office worker who dies and is reincarnated into a dating sim fantasy video game where women reign supreme and only beautiful men are allowed any power as a concubine <laughs> but oh, because wow. he remembers everything from his past life which includes playing through the very game that he's now trapped in. He uses his knowledge to inspire a revolt. <laughs> okay. Firstly, I feel that the last one is so obviously fake, it has to be real. Okay. Because I feel that otherwise you were literally just setting me up to make fun of you. <laughs> That I'm, could going well the, be. I'm going for the 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 tildy one. My my girlfriend is a tildy. Am I going for that? What was the third one again? Dungeon toilet. No, dungeon toilet is too straightforward. Also, you said the thing about slimes, and again, I just don't want to think that you made that up. <laughs> um, I'm going for tildy. You're going for tildy. Over. I'm going for tildy. The, the time-traveling Roman okay. goes to a Japanese no, bathhouse. Weird, weirdly, weirdly enough, that one seems entirely legit. <laughs> um, I'm going for Tildy because, honestly, my first thought was you were really high when you came up with it. Like, for real. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, are you not going to tell me? <laughs> I should just move on to round two. That's such a Graham McMillan move. I am going to tell you... <laughs> The fake one is my girlfriend is a tildy, yeah. and I was high when I came up with it. But boy, I spent so much time rehearsing, researching the storyline. Holy shit! If anyone, the the graphemes oh. and the phonemes, I actually realized at a certain point, I'm like, oh, Graham's gonna guess this because I went in too deep. Because I thought that you were gonna like, I even talked about like Gojo Kun's magical power that actually helps uh, Princess Tildy you know try and retake the kingdom and no 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 it was it was literally the part where you're talking about like a war like a war between like you know punctuation marks yeah i i was just like jeff was high as balls <laughs> like that was that was my first thought my first thought honestly was high as balls but again that means nothing because you know manga right do you right? know what i mean like that, that that could completely have been a red herring yeah the other three are 
completely real. And Thermo Roma is highly acclaimed and has something like no, that was the, that was the one that seemed like entirely yeah. legit. It is that true. It to- is true. Dungeon Toilet also just felt like entirely legit. Yeah, exactly. Dungeon Toilet also legit. So yeah, it, um... but that last that last one also felt like it had to be real because otherwise I genuinely thought that you were just setting me up to make fun of you. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, it's not like you don't anyway. Okay. Round two. Fight. Uh, <laughs> daily report about my witch senpai by uh, Makash Moshida uh, about an office drone who uh, whose only ally at work is his senpai his senior co-worker who also happens to be a witch. Um, okay, 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 okay. I was going to say, is that what senpai means? But you, I feel like you just answered that question even yeah. before I asked it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So the only thing more awkward than romancing a co-worker is romancing a magical one uh, with warlock brothers and sorcerer exes. Um, okay, wait, wait. This is still daily report thing right about my witch senpai yes that's right okay i honestly thought you were saying and the next one is the only thing more awkward because that also sounds like <laughs> that is true people. there the the some of these titles in fact the next title will make you okay so the next title is i a super popular high school light novelist am being harassed by a succubus every night and it's a big problem uh by connie miso uh and is about the main I'm character sorry, what what which part i no, say that name again. I, a super popular, I, I, comma, comma, super popular, high school, popular high yeah. school novelist. Wow. High school light novelist, uh, which is light novelist. Yeah, yeah, and being harassed by a succubus every night, and it's a big problem. And so, <laughs> and part of me's like, that's got to be fake, and yet. Even as I say that, I'm like, no, again, I saw this fucking book in the library that was like, you know, is it poor etiquette to pick up girls in dungeons? Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, wasn't there one we went Rowan's making fun of about, like, I could reincarnate as a refrigerator or something like that? Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Now Wander the Dungeons, which I am on yeah. chapter 12 of. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I, a super popular light high school novelist high school light novelist a light high school sorry high school light novelist right uh and being harassed by a succubus every night and it's a big problem uh do you know (laughs) i'm sorry i can't get over the title i a super popular high school light novelist i'm being harassed by a succubus every night and it's a big problem yes that's i mean that's if you've made this up then <laughs> I mean I I kind of think that's a stroke of genius but okay so the main character of course writes light novels at night because they're going to high what's school what's a light novel so a light novel wait I'm not, allowed to ask, I'm not allowed to ask a question so no never no, mind oh, well, no no that's right I'll tell you because I think that's fair in a way like I hope a uh, light novel is um it's it's basically a whole genre in Japan of I and I this is one of those like things where people who actually know will be listening to the po- podcast and be super amused by what I'm getting wrong but essentially um light novels ended up being novels that were written more or less 
being published and serialized on the web and more specifically were being read on cell phones and things. So it started off as like, what's, what's the name of the, like, you know how there was that brief thing of like uh, publishing hubs over here in the, the US, you know, and Amazon tried to get into it where it's like, hey, publish your supernatural fanfic and make money and we'll make money off of you making money. Um, that whole thing, like Japan, other countries have had a series. Light novels are usually re really short, fast reads because they're designed to be read on your device which in the case of okay, japan sure. is usually like japanese it's like, it's like a really big thing yeah, yeah 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 okay because of the success of those a lot of those are a lot of the light novels are are where the whole isekai genre came up by the whole like someone dies and is reincarnated in another thing and and those um get adapted into manga and then into anime so, like, for example, if you go over to Bookwalker, which is the biggest uh, Japanese digital manga seller, at least here in the U.S., that I'm aware of, they have their top 50 list released for the end of the year, where, and they're offering discounts on them, and they break it down into categories of by manga, by the light novels, or by the overall. So the... Um, reincarnated as a vending machine, I now wander the dungeons. Was originally a successful light novel before it was adapted into a manga. Okay, that's uh, yeah. No, that that's that's way more information than I was expecting. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I still feel suspicious of this one, but yeah. arguably less suspicious than I was. That makes sense. Anyway, because he's writing novels at night. And going to high school during the day, he just basically never sleeps. And so the succubus, uh, who is wants to be able to steal his soul, does her best to try and get him to go to sleep, um, but usually more or less always ends up falling asleep herself. And it's done in that sort of yonkama format, where it's like a single page, single page gags, but like continuity. So um, next. The NPCs in this village sim game must be real. Um, so there is. I'm sorry. Is that the name of a uh, manga, or is that literally just something the ten year old would say to me? <laughs> <laughs> that could be the next iteration of this game. Instead of my four manga, it's like ten year olds exclamations or manga. Um, yes, exactly. So uh, it's about a 30-year-old still living with his parents, no job, no relationship, no prospects, um, gets a sim computer game that both characters created with a new type of AI, and he finds their lives so vibrant and lifelike that he suspects they can't just be game characters. But essentially, because he's the god of the village, and has to take care of them he actually has to get his life back on track if he actually wants to to help them so for example getting a job to pay for microtransactions and stuff um and then the last of the four options drugstore in another world the slow life of a cheat pharmacist um wow drugstore in another world yeah the slow life of a cheat pharmacist. Yeah, it's a corporate drone wakes up in another world, a fantasy world, and his medicine-making ability allows him to make powerful potions, 
which make him become popular enough to open up his own drugstore, which is visited by various uh, adventurers and monsters who are uh, trying to um, solve problems with his potions. Okay. <laughs> Firstly, that sounds kind of great. Secondly, the third one sounds too dull, so therefore it has to be real. <laughs> okay. What was the first one again? Tell me the first one again. Daily report. I'm, fi I'm fixated on the second one. Right. So da tell me the first one again. Daily report about my witch senpai. Office drone, older coworker, senior coworker helps him out. Yeah, yeah, I'm still thinking about the second one. That's the thing. So like, I'm just obsessed with the second one. You're obsessed one. with I, a super popular high school light novelist, and being harassed by a succubus every night, and it's a big problem? Yes. <laughs> In part because it's such a run on sentence. <laughs> it's lost like something I'd write. Um, yeah, it totally is. It's the second one. It's got to be the second one, right? Wait, give me all the titles again. <laughs> Daily report about my witch senpai. Yeah, and then there's the succubus one, and then there's the NPCs in this game must be real. The NPCs in this village sim game must be real. And, and then the last one is, is like drugstore cowboy, but manga. Drugs, right? right. Drugstore in another world, the slow life of a cheat pharmacist. It's the second one. It's got to be the second one. Is it not the second one? It's got to be the second one. Okay, the answer... It has to be the second one, right? <laughs> so here's the thing that I think is actually really interesting, Graham, because... Um, it's not the second one. <laughs> it, it is the second one, but <laughs> the way that I tried to throw you off on this one was... I, a super popular high school light novelist and being harassed by a succubus every night, and it's a big problem, is a fake manga in a manga that I read this year that I like a really? lot. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> if, honestly, this is the terrible thing. If that title didn't have And It's a Real Problem, yeah. I think I would have like believed it was real. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I probably could have tried to, to clip it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I was also like... Because, like, everything else, everything else about it, it's honestly that it's such a run-on sentence. Yeah. Like, it sounds dumb. I thought there... I thought... For want of a better way of putting it, I thought you were making... I thought there was a joke in the set, in the name. Mm-hmm. Mm because it's so long. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. Right. Like, it, fe it felt like... It felt like it was one of those things where you were like, ha-ha, you rube, you fell for... Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it felt... It felt too full of information. Yes. Well, again, it's that thing of, like, if I were... Let's see if I jump over to Bookwalker here. Let's see if we can actually... Uh, so, I'm, uh, the... Here's the overall ratings for the top 50. Oh, wait. Damn it, some of these titles are going to be so small. Um... Right. Trapped in a dating sim, the world of Otomoe games is tough for mobs. Uh, My Quiet Blacksmith, Life in Another World. Uh, how a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom. Um, okay, what's this one? This one's kind of a classic. Oh no. Min Maxing My TRPG Build in Another World. Um, <laughs> these. these 
titles are amazing. These yeah. titles are amazing. Um, to save the world, can you wake up the morning after with a demi-human? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. This is screwed up, but I was reincarnated as a girl in another world. Um, girl is all capped. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's just I'm like I really am looking for the ones like I'm the evil lord of a of a galactic of an intergalactic empire. Um, God, maybe I really was too fixated on the super long ones. Um, <clears throat> the hero laughs while walking the path of vengeance a second time. Um, the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. Gosh really should have um yeah so i mean so some of these are there's some pretty crazy ones god i really feel like i'm like I, what am i what am i overlooking like i'm like there really is a jobless reincarnation um might as well cheat i got transported to another world where i can live my wildest dreams um amazing yeah right so Anywho, Graham, I think I think we have to say a. I've greatly enjoyed playing my four manga with you. Oh my god, yes, no, I've loved. I'm it. very bad. You've got to you're re or you're really good or both, but you really your batting percentage is stupid high. So well I was done. Just, I was convinced. I I the first one I th I was feel fairly confident. The second one, I was convinced that it was like I was getting fixated on that title. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I when I came up with my girlfriend as a tilde, I really thought about like breaking out the cuz also the other thing is um one of the other my four manga choices is my girlfriend is a T-Rex and I think I misread it and that's how I came up with my girlfriend as a tilde. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like I should load this with all my girlfriend is a titles and then let you guess which one was the made up one, so uh, okay, so now that we have that, I can actually talk a little bit about my favorite books of the year. And please, one of the segues into it. So one of the things that's actually really funny about for me about trying to talk about my best books of the year is most of the stuff that I read was uh, old uh, and trash. So like books was, uh, sorry, ducks and... Um, it's lonely at the center of the earth. I feel are one of the few things that I actually did read that was published this year that probably would have the best chances of coming out, uh, of, of making a list. Like I've been, as you know, I've been reading a ton of manga and a bunch of manga online. And so a lot of stuff that I've been reading is quote unquote current, but none of it I think would really crack a best of list unless you're feeling super up on chainsaw man which is returned and returned strongly um i thought and i could be wrong that before chainsaw man returned there was like three or four one shots done by the creator that all came out this year but i don't think that that is the case i think only the last one which is called listen to the song came out but it was pretty pretty excellent um but not actually not as strong i thought as the first two of the one shots by the chainsaw man creator so those were all great um 
I spent, it's really amazing to me looking back at the list and realizing like there's stuff like, excuse me, dentist, it's touching me. I didn't start reading it until this year. I think it's probably going to wrap up in another chapter or two. And I'm not saying that it's the best. I'm just also saying like, wow, I'm shocked that that was something that I've read like 78 chapters of, but only this year. Similarly, Chiara Furu, I don't think I started reading until this year. And that is absolutely on my list. It only wrapped up in Japan, I think, earlier this year, and volumes are still coming out in the U.S. only digitally. In fact, where is my... Yeah, Chiara Furu, I first started reading back in March, which is amazing to me because I feel like it just is like been part of my consciousness forever. Um, as you <clears throat> may remember, that is the uh, manga about a bunch of um, competitive card players is a way of being reductive about it um and just and phenomenal um i guess it's it's not a shonen it's really considered more of a shoujo manga which is to say that it's it's created by a female manga artist for a probably a female audience but is it is just absolutely it's it's just excellent and i think in a way part of that is you know so much of japanese manga is built around that surefire strategy of like oh set it about competitions and contests you know because yeah, yeah that just gives you all, you know all the leeway in the world to create characters but also gives you structure and there's always a, a sort of just throw people into competition as soon as possible but so much of charofuru is also about it's just it's fucking awesome is what it is it's filled with fabulous characters it's really fun the the cartooning and storytelling is just extraordinary um and then it really does also have some amazing shit about i don't know being young and growing up and and you know what sort of what you do with your life and kind of that idea of like when you're a teenager there's like that period in high school where you know finding something that you love and doing that is um extraordinary enough you know so yeah, yeah. just absolutely one of my best and would i think is one that would probably be on a lot of other people's lists oh goodbye yeah goodbye eerie or airy came out in um april of this year by um I should know Fushimoto. I don't remember the Chainsaw Man's creator's name right off his head, right off the top of my head. But that is a fucking phenomenal one shot, and that deserves to be, I think, at the top of a lot of lists. And as I recall, there might have been some controversy as to why it wasn't included on a uh, for the Eisners or something for best manga or something. I don't remember why, but. Um, another manga that is coming out that I love a lot is The Fable, currently uh, coming out by Kodansha. It's up to, geez, I don't know, like chapter 10 or so. It is a manga about essentially a hitman and, uh, I don't know what his right word is, his handler, who basically after getting too much heat on them, are told to cool their hills and spend a year um, living just normal lives on the down low. Uh, and they more or less keep 
getting pulled into situations th that they do or don't want to um, be a part of. So, it, and what makes it great, what makes it more than just sort of Garth Ennis 101 is the fact that it's, um, it's very funny in a deadpan Japanese way, you know, like it's sort of, it's closer to the Sopranos, I suppose. Like if Beat Takeshi had made the Sopranos, essentially. It's very funny. It's very well done. <laughs> really just great, great, great read. Um, I really enjoyed reading like the stuff that I reread Sunken Rock to finish that up. That was great. Um, reread Conan. That was terrific. Read a lot of drippy. Oh, so right. Part of how I got on this is I think one of the most embarrassing things for me to admit is um, I, a super popular high school light novelist and being harassed by a succulent succubus every night, a succulent every night. And it's a big problem um, is, is a manga within a manga of, um, Dress Me Up Darling, which has had uh, six volumes, I want to say, published uh, in America, and the seventh volume cannot come up soon enough. Let me make sure I've got that right. Dress Me Up Darling. I've got that wrong. It's my Dress Up Darling, isn't it? Hold on. It's is... Don't Worry Darling. And it's it's a, exactly, right? It, yeah, it. yeah, and Chris Pine is fabulous in it. My Dress Up Darling. My Dress Up Darling which is um, like kind of the opposite it, it, it of Charofuru uh, in that it's a um, it's a I think I think Matthew Murray among others might have recommended it after uh, I was talking on and on about um, and because I mispronounced it so dramatically uh, Hokkaido girls are super adorable um, which is just sort of generic shonen trash about kid who moves to a new neighborhood and uh you know to hokkaido and uh falls in love with the the really outgoing girl that's there my dress up darling has a similar uh gyaru i guess which is to say there's like there's the whole japanese girls thing like a gyaru is a basically sort of almost like a japanese valley girl like blonde hair and super tan skin usually a pierced tongue and is sort of like super fashionable but also kind of does a kind of deliberate almost sort of bimbo-y type appearance in my dress up darling that is the character who is obsessed with cosplay and uh the dude who is a hapless high schooler who um, basically sticks to himself because he's obsessed with doll making he's in the the grand tradition of making these very special specialized expensive japanese dolls because his grandfather is who he lives with and uh his long apprenticeship with that has made him a master at sewing and makeup and things and so she once she finds out that he has the skills she recruits him um to basically make cosplay outfits for her and it's so it's kind of a odd couple romance thing and it is i am embarrassed to say how much i like it i have to say that i've probably <laughs> read those six volumes each one probably four times a piece because the cart i think the cartooning is great 
Um, it's definitely uh, shown in manga. The amount of fan service is really terrible. Um, also, I feel like there's a lot of shonen strips that I read, and Hokkaido girls are super adorable. Gals are super adorable. Is one of them where essentially the and it's 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 kind of the it, like I understand why this fantasy works so well for me and also for the dudes reading it because essentially all they have to do is be good decent people but like maybe a little passive and shy and the women are the ones who do essentially all the the work and drama of you know the are are not just the plot engines but are also super into the guy and he's kind of bashful and they love that but of course you know because japanese culture is just so um discreet like you know it's like high school romance times two the 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 distance that the character the people keep just because the the embarrassment of of having a second hand kiss by you know someone drinking your soda can after you drank from it is you know just just excruciating but there's a lot of a lot of the shonen romance stuff is very much like the guy's good but he's kind of like a lonely shy outcast but you know his heart is pure and then the the woman is usually just like a force of nature who like adores the guy um you know, but kind of doesn't let it know, but doesn't like, um, uh, what's the, what is the, it's the, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest sellers on, on Bookwalker is the, um, uh, don't toy with me, Miss, uh, Nagatoro, which is, I think up to it, volume 11 <laughs> or 12, I think, and actually has a relatively successful, uh, anime. That's also one that I read like crazy, very sort of loosely cartooned, um, but uh, but very much like shy, nerdy kid, basically overwhelmed by a force of nature. I think so. It's it's very easy to see the male fantasy in it, and it's kind of interesting to me that the male fantasy is so, um, I guess, passive and lazy. <laughs> It's it's not it's you're not going to mistake it for Conan the Barbarian anytime soon. But one of the things that is really lovely about uh, my dress up darling is the fact that he has significant skills, his ability to to sew things and his desire to learn about things and, you know, dive into it. And of course, part of what's funny about it is the the manga that's an anime that the woman likes uh, guys what's her name it's been too long since i've read it but i read it like six times is all sort of wildly inappropriate like the first thing she wants mm. him to make is this really expansive like sort of gothic lolita dress from a series of uh erotic games that that she's a fan of that god i wish i could remember the name of it but really is something like you know humiliation high or something like that so um <laughs> it's it is really funny and it's also just really sweet like there's some sections of it where they're hanging out and it's sort of 
that thing of when you're hanging out with someone and the two people are haven't said it, but they're both clearly in love with each other. In fact, one of the things that's really super great about my dress up darling is how much the female character who's very outgoing, um, you know, more or less is like, oh, my God, you know, the, the scenes where she's like looking at the guy and being like, oh, my God, do I love him? Oh, I love him. OMG, I can't even. And that stuff, which really should play as very stale, is unbelievably adorable to me. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I'm hugely embarrassed to say that it's like one of my favorite books of the year. Because honestly, it'd be much easier for me to be like, oh yeah, Conan, man. Let me tell you, those first 115 <laughs> issues of Conan, you know what I mean? Like, it's just Conan. a very different stripe of you know it's not really anything tied in with me so i'm okay with it um kowloon generic romance which came out from yen press uh i only read the first volume volume two came out um on monday and uh i i quite like that that is supposedly set a romance set in uh kowloon walled city which I don't know if you're. Are you? Are you familiar with it, Graham? I not in the slightest, Jeff. Okay, I just. I just want to check because it's kind of a Kowloon Walled City is just an astonishing kind of thing. Basically, it was this enormous city in. Is it Hong? I always want to say it's Hong Kong, but it. It here. Hold on. Let me. It. It. It's something that any. I'm like anyone who likes Judge Dredd should really know about the Kowloon Walled City. It's a former slum in Kowloon, Hong Kong. Uh, it was ungoverned, and it was super, super densely populated. It. It was originally a Chinese military fort, and basically became an enclave. Um, and it increased dramatically following the Japanese occupation of Hong Kong during World War II. By 1990, the walled city had 50,000 residents within its 6.4 acre uh, borders. It's, I'll send you some of the photos of it. It is, it is an extraordinary place because it is sort of building on top of building and everything's walled in. And it, it's like there's a certain sort of urban state of it that that just draws you because it's just alleys like little tiny alleys that move in and out of buildings and like super high rises where everyone has all strung out their their clothing and their laundry you know and just just like an absolute crazy place in terms of the it amount sounds of, yeah it sounds amazing and yet like crazy at the same time yeah and it it absolutely is that so it caught the imagination of the creator of kowloon generic romance who's telling a, a love story uh between uh two office co-workers who are i think travel agents of all insane things inside kowloon walled city um it's very heavy on the uh, I, I guess it's a very it's a very heterosexual Wong Kar Wai influenced manga I guess um, and it's just it it really has uh, just a lot of a lot of charm to it and again that setting which it really at least in the first volume it doesn't really go heavy on but I love that I ended up loving Akane Benishi which is the manga that's currently running over on Shonen Jump and on Manga Plus that is about a um, 
teenage girl who is trying to crack the world of uh, Rakugo, uh, which is the Japanese, uh, a form of Japanese storytelling. Um, you know, just like, I swear to God, I don't know if like Shuisha, who's the publisher of Shonen Jump, like got like a bunch of government grant money from the Japanese government, but suddenly, or if like Chiaro Fro was a huge success, but like they literally in the last year, year and a half have started manga about flower arranging, <laughs> uh, Rakugo, <laughs> you know, all these weird, all these traditional arts. And in a way, maybe Shoha Shoten, which is uh, about um, stand up comedy uh, and explains stand up comedy. Um, you know, uh, in the the, sh the exciting shonen world, uh, uh, shonen jump world of it, where which is to say it's all sort of competitions and things, um, and is drawn by the guy who drew Death Note. Um, Shoha Shoten is fun, but Akane Banishi is, I think, just I enjoy it so much. I think the cartooning is fucking fantastic. And one thing that's really nice is it's. 34 chapters in and apart from the occasional all but required by law um, fan service color chapter intro pages that pop up every once in a while it doesn't really it doesn't it there's no the the female lead is a female lead in part because it allows a lot of insight into Rakugo, uh, particularly the fact that the that it was like so much of Japan incredibly sexist and women weren't allowed to perform until relatively recently. So mm -hmm. there's that. Her quote unquote mission of revenge uh, to prove her father's legacy because her father was an aspiring Rakugo artist who had served his apprenticeship and more or less was shut out of the field um and thus breaking his heart and it's very interesting because you suspect that in the original draft of the story he committed suicide but in, in this in the entire thing they're like oh he's alive he just yeah he's working remotely right now and it's like <laughs> really like he, you know it's in all Canada. you wouldn't know yeah exactly like you know so there's this girl who's out to avenge her father and the mother who also believes in her and is willing to help her you know for the crimes that were done to the father you know who's fine he's totally great he hasn't shown up for any of her performance or anything but that's fine that's not even necessary that uh, that very strange what seems like editorial decision aside to to be like no one's going to read this downer book if it's her trying to like her, her dad killed himself after failing to get into this field but it's just it's got really entertaining characters again great storytelling in this whole realm of rakugo which is like stories that have been that have existed since the 16th or 17th century that storytellers tale and really inhabit they do these it's you know an acting uh, an acting performance but their ability to tell these stories that everyone knows and the degree to which they put their own spins on them and their ability to act and improv in the moment when things come up it's just it's really great it's again just sort of that wonderful manga of like wow i <laughs> i an idiot am learning so much just by sitting here <laughs> reading comics um and even I, I, yeah. yeah sorry yes no 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 and you go. 
Uh, I, I was going to say, I just yeah. genuinely love the... Uh, I love how varied the subject matter of the stuff you read in manga is. Yeah, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I genuinely... I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being snarky. I love that it is... It seems like almost everything other than the traditional dominant genres of Western comics. Mm, mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's I think that's great. I'm like I, I'm weirdly excited for you. Yeah. That you are like, I love this like weirdo romance or I love this historical drama or I love this you know, it's 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 kind of thrilling for me. Yeah. yeah. As an outsider. Not as the person reading you. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the reading experience I find dreadful. But yeah, no, yeah, it it is. Hate it. <laughs> there 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 is a lot there that I love. In fact, um my other stuff that I read that I loved, um that is uh, I'm currently I'm I hate to say it, but I'm really enjoying Astra Lost in Space, which was a five volume manga that was I think published back in the early 2000s maybe mid 2000s that is being republished in manga plus I guess because if I understand things correctly it more or less did you've got the 10 year old you you know you do know the game among us oh oh all too well yes that's what I figured so um Astra uh, Lost in Space kind of has a little bit of what if the Legion of Superheroes meant Among Us. Like, it's set in the future, oh, a bunch of incredibly sort of super talented students from each of their respective planets slash cultures come together for space camp. Um, but what ends up happening is what's supposed to be just sort of a dry run, like, oh, we're going to go up into space and rendezvous with a satellite and then blah, 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 ends up them being hurled uh, to the far side of the universe um, in a spaceship and having to try and get their way back home, but also figuring out at one point that uh, essentially someone, one of them more or less caused did the sabotage the whole thing in an attempt to kill one or all of the people and so there's a there's a traitor among us which one could it be even as they go to um various planets and try and get involved in little situations of like oh we've got to get water oh let's get water here oh no the dolphins are intelligent and want to have sex with us <laughs> i made that last part though. oh no <laughs> It's just like, the, oh, no, is it a prompted though? Thank you. Oh, no, that's unpleasant. Ah. Yeah, it's and it it's it's weirdly it's like <clears throat> um, it's very young adult Chris Claremont light, but I kind of like it like it really is. It's just See, all that, that does not sound like a bad thing, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But but at the same time, I'm also kind of like you would read it and be like, yeah, Jeff, but you're kind of you're kind of overselling it a little bit, which I you know, which is not. <laughs> That's also fine. Yeah, right. Not a not un, unfair. Um, there were several people who repeatedly recommended that I read. I'm going to have to jump over to my digital orders list because I can't find it on my stupid reading list. Um, dude, the Marvel Masterworks sale is on again, by the way, digitally. I know you don't care about it, but uh, listeners, if you want to pick up uh, Masterworks... 
from Marvel, the old school ones, digitally, the first volume is 99 cents. Um, and each additional volume after that is a dollar ninety nine. And if you have, I mean, to... that's really cheap. I, I say that yeah. as someone who's like, yeah, but it's all in Marvel Unlimited if you want to look for it. But that's no, it's true. Really cheap. That's yeah. really cheap. But if you, but if you are lazy and you're like, yeah, but I really want to get Dazzler. Yeah, but Mask I wish Orcs it was all in one place. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, Sorry, my apologies, everyone. I gotta go at least to page two, if not page four. What is? It's like I read. So I read Tor. <laughs> I read Torin after the apocalypse, uh, which is a manga about um, just that. Like society has fallen, and it's a uh, it's a it's a a, a girl who is ba- basically kind of um, if if. I mean, she's basically Commandy. She was raised in a compound. She hasn't been out in the world. Her grandfather dies. And so she goes out with her best friend, who is another girl who you more or less realize is sort of an uh, uh, an unstoppable android. And they go about um, the, the girls. I don't remember if it's her mother or older sister went on a did a trip through Japan before the apocalypse and so the girl is going through following the steps that her sister made because she has access to the diary and visiting the same places um i mean this is 100 percent. it's not just like commandy it's 100 this is a british comic from like the 1970s yeah yeah that too right yeah um uh you know graham one of the things that that we we you know it's the final episode i'm of course dragging things out one of the things we never really got to do that i thought would have been really fun i don't remember i must have mentioned it to you but the idea that um i kind of wanted to do like a a a kind of a one-off comic that where we would write faux 2000 AD slash action style. Oh scripts. shit! I've always wanted to do that. I've Have you really? Wanted to do oh that. really? Okay, yeah, well, for real. Right. Like for real, I've always wanted to do that. Let's do that. Okay. Let's do random like zine. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. That sounds fabulous. But yeah, the one that I was going to do was going to be called. Um, one of the stories I was going to uh, pitch to you was called uh, BMX DOA, which is about. Two kids after the... It's like in a zombie apocalypse, uh, but they've got amazing. super cool BMX bikes that allow them to amazing. basically ride away from the zombies. Yep, that's fucking great. <laughs> nope, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. Uh, Stop digging, you've struck oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yokohama uh, Kadishi Kiku uh is the first volume the first deluxe volume that i read that came out earlier this year no less than two people uh maybe three had recommended it to me earlier and it is a gentle apocalypse uh story it's basically again i believe there is a robot girl who runs a cafe um surrounded by her kindly neighbors uh as after the apocalypse and the world is very much gently fading away into the background. Um, and it's, and it's all just characters hanging out and coming over and having tea and telling stories about their lives beforehand. 
it's all very gentle and all very very lovely stuff so that was also just one of my favorite reads and i can't wait one of the things that kills me is is again this is this is a volume that was you know the the actual original manga was written way back i want to say in the 90s i think so part of me is like just just reprint this stuff motherfuckers like i want it all now which is hilarious because they're like we we actually have to hit sales numbers and these things cost money and we can't always just crank these things out which is probably why um fist of the north star still is not fully collected as you know i've talked about the absolute insanity that is that classic um reprinted 70s manga that is well, can't be 70s sorry 80s manga that's essentially what if bruce lee was mad max um but everyone also somehow had magical powers uh, just fucking phenomenal like the, the I mean, whole there's nothing wrong with a high concept there's nothing wrong with right exactly exactly the math checks out as the kids say so um so yeah those are those are my big things that and again you'll note like really high on the manga you know like i'm trying to think if there was stuff that i read that was like uh, did you read the first two issues of um ryan north's fantastic four I did not actually. I'm waiting for that to show up on on unlimited. Ah, okay. Which I've, will I've heard many people, I've heard many people talk about it, but um, I don't know. I I I I think I need a break from from Fantastic Four. Weirdly enough. Interesting, because of course I skipped all of Dan Slots, or I read like the first ten or twelve issues, and then skipped the yeah. rest of Dan Slot. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And, and well we'll have to talk about it but it, it i have to say uh, that first issue was kind of not what i was expecting from a ryan north fantastic four comic so we'll see we'll see what happens that being said i spent a lot more time after issue one and issue two being kind of like hmm i feel like maybe there's some meta here that may or may not pay off or maybe not um Oh, I almost forgot. Of course, the best book of the year, Batman Spawn number one by uh, Todd McFarlane <laughs> and Greg Capullo. Uh, I have not read that, but I have read the classic collection. The the um, Batman Spawn classic collection. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah, which is the, the previous two collections. The previous right. two crossovers. Pre- previous two crossovers, right. What, so one is McFarlane and Miller, and I forget, what's the other one? Isn't it like... The other one is Chuck Dixon, Doug Munch, and Alan Grant co-writing with Klaus Janssen art. There we go. That's what it was. Yeah, which, woo. I have to say, part of me kind of wants to see that, because I seem to recall kind of digging... Because, you know, it's Klaus Janssen. Klaus Janssen drawn Spawn is kind of fun. But... Oof. Speaking of kind so yeah, Batman Spawn number one, Greg Capullo art, gorgeous. Fucking Todd McFarlane manages to make it eight pages without without slipping into tell and tell some more mode, and then he does. And then it just gets ex- <laughs> it just gets You don't like tell and tell some more mode? Tell and tell some more. Yeah. No, I I'm not a fan. As you know, McFarlane have that's another thing that just felt like a horrible achievement this year. Reading that first hundred issues of spawn or whatever it was 50 issues it just felt like 3,000 issues that was that was so painful graham i can't even tell you but really worth reading uh in the sense of 
wait, why am I saying that it was really worth reading? I guess it was worth reading to, to really... I, I, I was going to ask, what, <laughs> why are you saying? Yeah, what am I saying? Like, I, I'm sort of... No, actually... I love that you said and then immediately said, why am I saying Why am I saying that? And I, you know what it is? I'm, I think, I think for me, it was horrible torture, but it was also incredibly educational. Like, I really do think that you can sit down and look at the mistakes that McFarlane makes and sort of keeps making them. You know what I mean? Like, they're kind of like, oh, this works for me. And it's like, but this doesn't really work for the story or this doesn't really, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, finishing this podcast after 13 years, on the one hand, I'm not, I'm not sure I know any more about what makes... I feel like I do know in some ways what makes good comic storytelling, thanks to, for example, as we were talking about reading Wagner's stuff on Drock, uh, for Drock mm -hmm. uh, of Dread, but, you know, or reading the reading manga, but just, just seeing the stuff that um, McFarlane does, where I'm just like, right, he it, in theory his moves are here and I see what he's sort of doing or what he thinks that he's doing or even the ways in which he's like totally just fucking cutting corners and then you see someone else, you see other creators step in and really manage to sort of outdo him, like include the tropes but it's kind of like, oh yeah, here we go. You know, so reading Spawn Batman number one, where he contrives a reason to have uh, Spawn and Batman punch the shit out of each other. Um, I almost had a moment of like, oh, this, this almost could work because, again, it's Greg Capullo art. But then it just, oh, boy, does it. And it just does not. It just does <laughs> not. It really does not. So, um, yeah, that's not that it, anyone don't rush out and get that. That was actually me being being ironic. <laughs> It's actually one of the few comics um, I paid money for too, which is just like, there's something um, there's something enjoyable and also terrible about the classic collection. Mm -hmm. uh, by which I mean like it's actually mostly terrible, but uh, especially the DC one, mm -hmm. the 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 Miller McFarlane one has, for want of a better way of putting it, unearned swagger. Yeah, but it's completely irresistible. Do you know what I mean? Like there, yeah. it's too. Two people literally just being like, "I'm fucking great." Yeah, and yeah. There is honestly something kind of great about that, even yeah. though you know, it's terrible. But you know, there's something enjoyable about it. It is. Um, it is. It's dumb and fun. And, and, yeah. yeah, fun because and, it's dumb. And, and yeah. yet the the DC one feels like incredibly old. Yeah. Compared to that. Yeah, I would think so. Like, like just shockingly old fashioned and and just. Like, from an entirely different era. Well, I think it's one of the things that actually is striking about the McFarlane Miller uh, Batman Spawn issue is essentially, for me, you have to give McFarlane some serious credit. Is as Miller walks in and he's like, I'm not going to take any of this seriously. And McFarlane's like, perfect. Couldn't, I'm yeah. totally yeah. right there. With I you. wouldn't either. Let yes, exactly, exactly. Whereas you know Grant and Me Monik Mench and uh, who, who was the third one besides uh, and Dixon? Chuck Dixon. Yeah, they're yeah. all kind of like those are. Well, I mean, you know, Grant w with some caveats, but those are all guys who are kind of like, 
you know, they're craftsmen who, journeymen who take pride in doing, bringing a level of professionalism, you know, and it, and, and that always comes from, I'm, I'm taking this seriously. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you just look at the results and it's just like, which is funny. Cause I mean, you know, honestly for the Drock stuff, I have a real soft spot for that Batman, those Batman Judge Dread crossovers. Those are, Mm-hmm. But maybe because well, those again, but then they, they don't take themselves seriously at all, right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe the worst they one. They really don't take themselves seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, um, yeah, it's funny. I read um, after you and I talking about it. I read Tour of Judy this week. That's actually what I was doing when I was sick. Ooh, I, I read all of Tour of Judy, uh, and it's great. <laughs> I really am looking forward to that. The first one. Okay, no, the first one is recorded, and now we are recording the second one. Listeners, you missed out on things. You uh, missed out the fact, uh, Jeff and I, so we call back, and when you call back, there, there's a, a Skype ring that goes, do, 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 do. There's your singing, by the way, from the episode. Um, and Jeff and I both, both always go, doop, doop, at the end of it, when it picks up. Yeah. Like, so, so like, anyone who's seen it, it's a sin. Where they go, la, to each other. Uh, boop, boop is Jeff and I's version of that, unknowingly. And we've been doing it for years. Yes. Yes, we have. Um, yes. Yes, you missed that. And you missed... Uh, uh, I made the joke about this oh, being the yeah. long-running podcast. Yeah. Yes, because I said, Jeff, we've been doing this for over two and a half hours. And Jeff went, yeah, we've been doing it for 13 years. And it was that was the point when he realized he wasn't recording, which I love, because it means on some level you were like, that was funny. Like, we checked that that was recorded. You know, it honestly, it, I don't think that that was why. But what it was, was I was going to look over, because I think you, you finally sang a little bit with the boop, boop. And I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna yeah, break I did, in the I, I went boop, boop, and I went, there's your singing. Yeah. yeah. And I, I went to find the lyrics to, to Jackie. Um, by Scott Walker. <laughs> by Jacques Brel. Jacques Brel. Oh my God, that the song next, where um, sung about the guy reminiscing about losing his virginity uh, in a in an army uh, whorehouse. Is God damn that his song is so good. Ah, Bing Crosby's version of that is killer. Oh, I'm sure it is. He's like pop 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 cake. Oh, the naked and the dead, standing hand in hand. Wow, you finally got both of us singing and we're both doing piping crossing. I know, I know. That's that's kind of a shame. Oh, join us for our next month for our new podcast, Bada Bing, where we cover all. We just sing. We just sing all all songs throughout all of history with bad, you know. Here we are now, entertainers. An albino, a libido, a mosquito. High Society, the wonderful film High Society. The Well Did You Ever song. The bit with where Bing says to Frank, don't take the kind of recruiting sum. And he's like, you must be one of the new kind of fellas. I think of that all the time all the time really yeah that's yeah. very funny that is uh... <laughs> 
see this is the key we just had to get you to sing like bing crosby and this is it worked it's off my checklist that is so great but i feel i know we've talked about it we probably talk about it every christmas yes Yes, I'm David Bowie. I've moved from right up the street. (laughs) I don't don't know quite why David Bowie sounds so much like James Mason. I say! I I used to be able to do James Mason, so it's kind of a... I love that so much. You're like, I'm doing Bowie. No, I'm doing James Mason. (laughs) It never works out. It never works out the way that I want. Peace on earth. Get well to me. I was watching... Uh, this morning, a film on HBO Max called Carol for Another Christmas. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no. No, I haven't. It is a Christmas carol, as the name suggests. It's a Christmas carol take. Mm-hmm. But it's a pro-interventionist political theory Christmas carol take written by Rod Serling in 1966, Ooh. starring Peter Sellers. What? Wow. And Ben Gazzara. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts. It's on there, and it's it's kind of great. Right. It's kind of nuts. It's kind of great though, uh, because it's it's the, the the Ebenezer Scrooge character has the greatest name, which is Daniel Gripe, which I love. <laughs> I genuinely love that name, Daniel Gripe. That is pretty um, great. And Daniel Gripe's is very like, no, stay on my side of the fence. We should not get involved in any international conflict. Mm-hmm. Um. And his nephew Fred is like, no, we should. Otherwise, like you know, we'll all like. If one man hurts, then all man hurts. And he's like, no, stay on my side of the fence. And so the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future literally show up and are like, do you know why we have to get involved in international conflict? And that's what the plot is. Wow. And in the future, it's a post-apocalyptic, like literally, the, the ghost of Christmas future is like, yeah, everything's been destroyed because of the atomic bomb. Um, and you see the remnants of humanity and is led by Peter Sellers who is the um, the president of the non-governmental Immaculate Me. And he preaches to everyone that um, they, first of all, have to kill everyone outside of their enclave mm-hmm. because they want to be, they want to take them over and they can't have that. I mean, it's, it's worryingly like, Oh yeah, I like, I can completely believe this would happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says, after that, we all have to kill each other until only one of us remains. The truly immaculate me. Mm. It's, it's, it's simultaneously absolutely ridiculous and so shockingly breathtakingly dark. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end of it is, instead of Ebenezer Scrooge waking up and being like, you there, boy, what day is it? Um, he wakes up and he's like, no, you know, you're right. We do have to. We can't just ignore, like pain you know we have to get involved and, and try and help people but the end of it and this credits roll over him just having coffee listening to christmas carols on the radio mm. which somehow makes it like creepy <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing like and i'm not sure if i mean amazing as in good right but like i i felt like my breath was taken through the whole thing mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh movie that's on hbo max like i said wow well, you know... Uh, Sorry, 1964, I'm looking into it oh, now. Oh, 64, interesting. Because I have to say, in 67, I'm sort of like, oh, it kind of makes, sort of like, it makes more sense, kind of, I guess, you know, because there's a very strong, like, s- Serling being 
like not necessarily very down with some of the me generation values, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, no, 64. Wow. Um, and it's directed by Joseph Mankiewicz. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. Uh, it's also got uh, Sterling Hayden in it, mm-hmm. and Britt Eklund shows up. Wow. Uh, even Marie Saint is in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a whole thing. It's it's a really genuinely weird show. <laughs> Uh, it's on HBO Max. Huh. Um, yeah. Watch that until, like, everything else on HBO Max it disappears. Yeah, fucking shit. No kidding, right? I, um, I feel like I have to ask the inevitable HBO Max question. Uh, have you watched Black Adam? Did you watch I have it? not. Oh, um, my God. Not for lack of trying. No, it's not true. I could have. I 100% have many opportunities to watch it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I just haven't. I think I'm probably going to watch it over the holiday break, to be honest. Yeah, I, I turned it on, was it last night, I think, or this morning, with the idea of like, oh, I can plow through it, because I'm sure Graham will have watched it. And uh, and I hit the <laughs> the life's too short factor. I think about, I don't know, I, honestly, I didn't give it a very... That's, I mean, honestly, that's what's really keeping me from it. starting it. Yeah, it really is. Because there really is a moment of like, there's so many things I might want to watch. Right, right? Like, um, you know? Like, uh, and I'm sure you know. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm I will inevitably get through it. There's going to become a point where I'm like, sure, I've got a couple of hours, but um, but you know, well, I, like I said, I watched The Sting this week, and The Sting's definitely better than <laughs> Black Adam's going to well, be. Well, I mean, Sting, The Sting's a, it was a good movie. You know, it's a great, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. So... Um, and I recently, like Chloe and I've been talking about our mutual hankering to rewatch Taking a Pelham One Two Three and Dog the Afternoon. Ooh. So. Both yeah. of which are just so fucking good. Yeah. Like, so fucking good. No yeah, for some reason we're both in like a 70s, mm-hmm. you know, crime drama thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's probably that. And of course, it's this time of year. So I'm like, let's watch fucking Holiday Inn, which is what we also did today. Is that it? Oh, no, yeah. Holiday? Mid-70s I recently, crime thriller? Yeah. Well, you know, the mid-70s crime thriller Holiday Inn starring Bing Crosby. <laughs> Raise your hands or you'll get it. Pa 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 pancake. Pa 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 pancake. It's just amazing. Oh god. Um, Jeff, for real. Uh, we're gonna start wrapping up now. Like, mm. honestly, it's mm. like we're approaching three hours, and that's that's ludicrous. Mm. I know that this is the last one, but we have to stop at some point. <laughs> um, can I? Can I start the wrap up? Yes. Well, I, um, depending. I mean, what's your idea of a wrap up, Graham? Well, I, I honestly, as much as anything, I want to, uh, I want to name all of our patrons. Ah, okay, great. We're on the same page, wrapping up wise. So. Um, because uh, it's been a long time since we've done that, to be honest. Yes, right. And I'm, I've literally just opened up the pages, which let me tell you, even signing in to Patreon today was a whole thing for me. <laughs> but um, yeah. So Adam Nave. Charles Forsman, Max Brown, Matt Miller, Cass, Andrew Sherman, Jamal Thomas, uh, Matthew Johnson, Matt Diggs, Ford Thomas, Mark Bender, scroll to the bottom of the page, me, uh, Jason Crossman, Andy Bartholomew, Mark, uh, Matt Bernius, Stephen Conway, David Morris, Isan Hamid, Dan White, Jason, Michael Garland, Mike Blanchard, Eric Reel, Don, just Don, Don Wakoma, I should say, uh, Adam Highfield, John McGoey, Jason Nassi, Zachary Adams, Comic Book Carol, Robbie Foggle, Jonathan, 
Matthew Murray, uh, Kevin Michael Donlin, Bastian Johnson, uh, Justin Hoffer, Andrew Vestal, Patrick Mortimer, uh, Inky Monkey. I just love your name is Inky Monkey. Uh, the wonderful Chad Nevitt, whose uh, newsletter, yet again, I tell you to all sign up to Thursday Thoughts. It's really good. Uh, Greg Bergen, um, Caleb, Dominic Franco, Chris Lake. Dominic, we owe you an email, by the way. Chris Lake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen McTurian, uh, the amazing Vrood99, who really, I think, made a difference for both of us on Drock. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Reeve, Cameron Brown, Chris McClelland, John Smith, who may or may not be like the John Smith of comic fame. Who knows? Uh, John Gallagher, uh, Monkey Fan, Jeremy Spitzberg, Hector Skullduggery, which is for some reason very hard for me to say. Jason Zegg, Stephen Lacey, Douglas Broom, Matt Seaman, uh, Nathan Soderland, David Bungie or Bung, I'm unsure. Gary App, David McCacken, uh, Guy Morgan. I know I've got a page missing somewhere that's going to come up. Uh, okay, uh, DDT, Patrick Gaffney, John Copeland, Dan, Dan Billings, Miguel Corti, Kevin McCandless, John Kipling. Oh, John, hi there. Uh, Brendan O'Hare, Jer- Jeffrey Lyon, Carla Hoffman. Hi, Carla. I saw Carla at San Diego. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah, I saw Carla at San Diego. It made me very happy. Um, Terrence Stewart, Paul Spence, Justin Harmon, Urchin Prince, which I love. Kristen Foran, uh, Mission Comics and Art, High Leaf, uh, Tim Reifenberg, uh, jo- Roger Winston. I'm losing the ability to speak, Jeff. Eric Roop. Uh, Appy, Ryan Fitzgerald, Paul Holmes, Carlos Aguilar, Corey Dvorkin, Chris Jarzombic. I really am losing the ability to speak. Uh, Andrew Bay, Andrew Bayer. See, I told you I'm losing the ability to speak, Jeff. It's a problem. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Graves, Eric Hips, Leighton Connor, Ed Corcoran or Corcoran, mm-hmm. uh, Paul J.C., Tim Callahan, Michael Tomasulu. Michael Lee, Matthew Hickman, Thomas Rood, Matt Rhodes, James Woodward, Jim Moore, Douglas Park, Jonathan Cook, Nathan Atkinson, Nate Berdota, the incredible Patrick H. Willems, uh, Jonathan Sapsed, David Austin, Gary Burr, Isabel McMahon, Tom Bondurant, and Ethan Johnson. I think that's everyone. I probably missed someone out, but that is everyone that Patreon has given me right now. Right now. And is that currently subscribed? I'm like, we should read through that, everyone. That's as of that's as of right now. Active as of right now. Yeah. 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 I wish I knew how you had that organized so I could have picked up on it. But um, yeah, because I'm like, yeah, that's uh, now we should do everyone who ever contributed. Guys, everyone, please. Thank you. You are um, truly wonderful and appreciated. And um, I am also apologizing for mispronouncing your names, which I'm sure you did, because I genuinely lost the ability to you read. You really and were stumbling, which was I, great. I felt again, like, I like we've been doing this for three hours. Um... <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking maybe I got to put yakety sacks behind that while you But come on. we Also, I just sang there. God damn it. Apparently, you just keep going for long enough and you get me singing. Yeah, I'm I. Of course, I find this out on the last episode. So, that's like that's why I feel like I have to keep you going for another three hours so that like no, eventually no, you're like no, mutant no. massacre. Magneto. Inferno with Madeline Pryor. See, this is so good, Graham. This is restarting it. The demon sim. <laughs> 
He's turning letterboxes into monsters. Oh my god. You singing as Bing Crosby, (laughs) recounting all the history of the X-Men chronology. Like, I know there's a lot of seriously successful X-Men podcasts out there. Uh, Jay and Miles, of course. I I love it. But I think you... It's literally me just doing this weird generic crooner and then going... It works. It works. Because all I do is just throw pum cake on at the end of it so it's just uh you know it's some sort of thing <laughs> um even though jeff and i are beginning to get a little bit delirious um thank you very much everyone who has uh who is currently a patron who has been a patron um who has considered being a patron thank you everyone who has listened um thank you very much everyone who's ever written to us or, or left comments as well um there have definitely been times where both you and i jeff have uh, not lost faith in doing the podcast or anything, but times where like we've gotten comments or we've gotten emails, and they've made us go, "Oh, yeah, that's why we do it." Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's you know? been thank you for everyone. I one of the things I would like to do uh, the last few weeks of the year is write to everyone who took took the time to drop us a note uh, talking about. Uh, thanking us for the podcast and and talking about what they it meant to them like there's there were a couple of just really like really heart warming slash heart tugging stories that were told and really it it's funny you know it's so easy like one of the things that was very nice was listening to you read off all those names and be like, oh, I know that person. Oh, I know that person. Like, I've swapped texts with that person. Oh, I've gotten an email from this person. Oh, you know, this person and I talked about Wordle scores, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just incredibly, um, I guess there's a level at which it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, kind of like, oh, they're people that I know, sort of. But realizing that, that it's a thing that more than that had like that this is something that that people are like yeah this is cause this has given me cause this has given me many hours of enjoyment is is kind of and then they put it in a context that i can sort of wrap my brain around what that means is really um was really useful because there are times i mean i think part of the charm of doing this podcast with you graham is is like we were very much doing it to talk with one another um and it sort of the podcast i think very grew very organically out of who we are as people um much to i think you know our dismay and occasional embarrassment and so (laughs) and so seeing sort of seeing people jump in to to say how much it appreciated or meant to them or how much it sort of became part of their lives was incredibly um like weirdly touching and unexpected and maybe yeah and, and like, like weirdly rewarding right yeah because mm-hmm. because it was it was basically like this has been like our excuse to talk to each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it has been something that that um we don't plan it yeah do you know what i mean like i mean you plan it more than i do but even that is to a limited degree, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, and so, you know, part of me is like, it's lasted so long, a because we like talking to each other, mm-hmm. you know, and because we love each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, through like stubbornness, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, right. 
you know, we had we had no agenda, mm-hmm. and you know, we've sort of built up the 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 way we do it almost by accident. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, very much so, yeah. and to to find that, uh, I mean, I think first of all to find that people listen, but also to find that like it's meant something to people, like actually genuinely, right, is is humbling. Yeah, yeah, it you really know, is. Um, yeah, yeah, it it is it is humbling. I think it's also interesting to me because I think also there was a point where it seemed like uh we're also pretty niche you know what i mean like yeah, we were yes. big but we never were that big and you know like we had a period where it looked like we were gonna go big and then it sort of either did or didn't or people were like yeah we can only listen to so much of you which lord knows i, I, I think it's i think it's for the best that we didn't go big i i mean i i in retrospect right yeah. i remember i remember when there was a point where like we it actually you know, things were happening. We were getting emails and, and things were that, you know, it looked like we would be at that, like a hit. Right. You know, like an actual genuine, you know, yeah. proper hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really exciting. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like looking back, I think that would have been terrible for us. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I do think that uh, for me, without without trying to get too... Uh, maudlin or dark about it I don't really know what's going to like I know what's going to happen in terms of or at least I have a lot of faith in like you know we're going to end this podcast I'm going to put this episode out in the world we're going to you know basically keep the website going so that people can continue to listen to it if and how they want for like another 12 to 18 months or something um but I don't, I don't know if this is my last shot at sort of being being a part of the comics discussion. I guess you mm-hmm. know, in, in ways, you know, my relatively minor part of it. You know, and 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 there is a way where part of me is like, no, if it had gotten bigger, then I, we would have, you know, like there is that thing of like, I don't think it would have been good for the podcast but there is part of me that's like yeah but maybe i would have been able to actually you know what film you know fill in the blank of what that was what yeah, that yeah, yeah, would yeah. be right so it is a little i do find myself being um weirdly like you know yeah once i throw this spider-man outfit in the trash can what's gonna what's gonna happen to me <laughs> What's really funny is, um, I'm sure you've been paying attention to the Twitter, you know, meltdown as happens. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Twitter Spaces was shut down like two days ago, right? No, I didn't realize that. So Twitter Spaces was shut down uh, apparently because, um, so Musk banned a lot of journalists because of yes. the the Elon Jet thing, and basically they still could access Twitter Spaces. Oh wow! And so they showed up in a space where he was talking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. And he basically like he he um, he hung up from the call very quickly, but then uh, the call was then cut off, and then Twitter Space itself entirely went away. Wow. Um, and what's funny is I did a Twitter Space for Poppers like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, my first time. I, I I I honestly I didn't know what a Twitter Space was even when I agreed to do it because <laughs> I'm old, right? right? Yeah. Um, and I was honestly like, we could do Twitter Spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we could, we could literally do like, you, you know, or we, we could have, we can't anymore. Twitter space has gone away. Right. But, um, you know, we could, we could have done that. We could have done like literally half an hour of just like bullshitting mm-hmm. and I've done it live right. and other people could have joined us. Right. You know, uh, cause then there is no editing. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. Right. Um, but, but maybe not if a Twitter space comes back, maybe we'll do a Twitter space on the, I mean, the account. Or, or... people are always like, yeah, do your own discord or, you know, like one of my favorite ideas is, is like, you know, we both have Amazon prime. You and I should start a Twitch channel where we talk about comics while playing video games that no, both although playing. you've reminded me the 10 year old does want to know yeah. um, if he can somehow play bro force with you at some point. I would love that. Uh, okay, yeah. that. Okay, we will have to set that up. Okay, I, you, yeah. you did just remind me. He he did actually ask about ask oh, me to ask. Oh, that'd be you. great. Okay, yeah, I would. I would be <laughs> super into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, but like you know, there there there's there's the possibility of doing other things elsewhere. I think that yeah. um, may not be as labor intensive as this ended up becoming. Right. Right. Um, None, but that said, you know, we'll see. We'll see if any of that happens. Uh, we'll see if Jeff continues to post the Wait What podcast on Twitter, um, which I think would be hilarious. <laughs> We've had like a sort of stealth, well, you know, stealth shadow account. The thing that's really funny is, is despite my like, yeah, what's going to happen to little Jeff is like part of me is also sort of. I'm kind of looking, like I have said, like part of me is like, I'm kind of looking forward to taking a break and just shutting up. And that, to me, that means like telling everyone that I'm going on hiatus on Twitter, which I'm planning on doing at the end of the year for however long, which makes sense because I don't, you know, Twitter's just such a, it's such a, it's such a tough situation anyway. Like, it's like, why am I, you know, am I really giving musk uh, you know more of a voice and more of a yeah, power yeah, 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 by yeah. sort of propping by staying around here yeah, yeah, yeah right so so yeah so I, i'm actually i am thinking that i will that i'm going to really try and take a break break from from social media as well because part of me and i really only had twitter but like part of me was always really aware that i was going to like have to tweet when a new episode went live and then retweet it on my end and you know like and just and then someone would point something out and you know etc etc so um once that's gone there's part of me that's kind of looking forward to to stumbling off into the void and seeing seeing what happens like will i stumble back i really i don't i don't know you know so um but like I said, one of the things that this, makes that this easy. Is your up, this is your upbeat way of saying the podcast. Saying yeah. farewell to the podcast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, Jeffy is. Don't worry about it, though. I got like I got like two bottles of Ripple and a lighter. I, I can't really go too wrong. I'm just going to go to oh, sleep under no. these rocks. Oh, yeah, no, 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 Jeff. no, no. no, no. <laughs> But oh, but all that aside, all that aside, like it, it a part of that is kind of like we're still going to be talking and, you know, it oh, yeah, you and me are going to be having calls. Go. And like every yeah. now and again, we might just throw something up on the feeds. Like, yeah, the which I am. I am very much looking forward to that. So uh, um, but but as a as a as a thrice monthly thing, yeah. um, this is it, you guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening however long you've been listening. 
And uh, more importantly, Jeff, thanks for doing this for 13 years. Graham, thank you. We're saying, we keep on saying 13 years. It's actually 13 years. Do we know that for real? No, I. why did I say it was 13 years? It Let's was, just say 13 years. That makes sense. It is. I think because we started in 2009. Yeah. And okay, so let's say, let's say 13 years. Yeah, let's um, say 13 years. Yeah, but no. Like, I've had fun. Mm-hmm. You know, even on the even on the times where I've not wanted to edit. Um, <laughs> no, but that's like, that's the least fun it's ever been. Oh, I mean? yeah. No, I know. Editing is always the least fun. And like, that's. That's saying something. Yeah. You know, to do something for 13 years and the least fun something has been is sometimes I just don't want to sit in front of a computer for another couple of hours. Right. Is, it's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we, we had, we, we, we got away with something, Jeff. <laughs> I was really expecting you to go into quoting Seasons in the Sun for some reason. We had joy. We had fun. <laughs> Um, you saw okay, it was all built, really constructed, just right in that direction. So, um, yeah, closing words. All right, closing words. Uh, I just, I really want to thank everyone. You know, one thing that I feel like we're always like, oh, thank you for listening, thank you for the comments. Like, I feel like, you know, as a dude who managed to be unable to trick Graham McMillan into my fake manga. Like, there were so many wonderful manga recommendations that I got from you guys over the years. I'm super grateful, and I, I wish that I was uh, diligent enough to actually have have made a list. Like I said, there were two people who, who picked up the... who mentioned the Yonahama book that I'm not going to be able to remember. But, you know, whether it was, like my love story or uh my dress up darling or just just so many uh monthly girls nazuki kun which i adore just never has enough volumes come out like i've just gotten so many just really excellent recommendations and suggestions and it's always wonderful hearing from people who are like yeah and thanks for all the recommendations you passed along i picked up some really great stuff you know um (laughs) it was great you mentioned eric real in the list of um uh patrons that support us and he actually dropped in a great note sort of telling us a quick story about how um like his uh his son had been reading one piece um and i think they hit the point like 18 19 20 volumes in or something where they like his library didn't have any more volumes and he's like i want to keep reading one piece but you know but how are we going to do that? And Manga Plus, I had mentioned that Manga Plus had, you could read all those chapters once for free. And so he's been plowing through the the One Piece. And that's always great. It's always great hearing people, like people who find out ways to read comics. I, I feel, I, I mean, I didn't even really talk about like, you know, both um, Cormac and, and Miguel, uh, you know, Eden and I went to Japan and that was such a, fucking phenomenal trip made so much better and easier by um miguel who just really you know miguel corti who um has was one of our many um excellent commenters on drock uh usually chimed in uh with each each new edition but you may remember graham like you know he put together watchmen 13 based on like yeah a bit of which was amazing <laughs> yeah right so you know miguel being the the overachiever that he was is uh he was just so incredibly gracious about like oh if you're gonna go to japan here's the best time to go here's what you know here's the J- 
JR pass you should pick up. Here's here's ways you can do this and that, while also giving us incredible amounts of uh, freedom. And then meeting him in uh, Osaka and being able to to hang out with him at, at a manga cafe. And similarly in Tokyo, getting together with Cormac and having an absolutely amazing meal, and then going to the glory that was uh, Mandarake. Like, I just feel so incredibly lucky to have had those experiences with those guys. And that really does come like 100% from the podcast. They're both podcast listeners and we're like, oh yeah, glad to do it. And in in fact, I do remember Cormac at one point doing that thing where he's like, this is something that I think you, I don't remember who you said this about, but had that, oh, maybe it was Tom King, where it was like, yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm you, like, I'm looking at your lips move, and but I'm used to hearing that as just a voice in my ear or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Tom King said that to me. Yeah, <laughs> which I was just like, I remember you telling me that. And I'm like, okay, now we really have to end the podcast because like Tom King's obviously either a professional's professional or, of which he is or has managed to listen to me talk some serious shit about his books in a way that just makes me anxious yeah exactly <laughs> anyway uh, it's getting out of hand uh, as as one would expect in the closing moments and graham has been incredibly patient but yes i'm so grateful to him for all these hours of talking and laughing and trying to make him laugh and ridiculous arguments of which he was incredibly patient for the most part i mean he was patient there were points where he clearly got I don't know, was sure that I was going after him personally, but I, uh, you know. Oh, on multiple occasions. Yeah, right? Exactly. On multiple occasions. But he stuck through it in a way that I am, I could not be more profoundly uh, grateful for. So thank you, Graham. Um, what, yeah. what's, what makes this a lot easier for us, I think? Like, because it's really, like, I'm sad. Yeah. But I'm not as sad as I could be. And what makes it easier for me, at least, is that you and I are just going to keep talking shit. Exactly. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like you and I are still going to have calls. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's what, like if somehow this meant that you and I wouldn't talk as much. Yeah. No, I know. Exactly. Like an entirely different experience. Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. Uh, and also, I think the fact that you and I have both been like, you know, but maybe we'll just like randomly put stuff, something out there. Right. I think also helps. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Right? I think there's a like, lot of those things. Exactly. The idea that it's like, it's not the end end. I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know? just the end of really a pretty formidable sequence of like 450 episodes more than all told. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's a lot. Again, when, that's kind what, of once again. Um, Al and Paul, House of Sunishes 1 in this podcast. <laughs> how many, how many episodes have they done? I have no idea, but like they're outlasting us anyway. Well, that's true. They're going to keep going. But so. they, didn't they take a break? Of course, they both re- they both have like families and kids. I was going to say, yeah, like they, they you know. Yeah, I know, I know. We lost. House, so let's see, it's let's fine. see. House of Sunishes. What? I don't think they number their episodes. Is the thing. Let's see, clever. Clever. I'm trying to find trying to find the last thing they did because so, they also do all the annotate like he does uh pauses all the annotations and everything on the website so right finding finding the last episode is also plus you know how's doing that like I don't I don't read the Discworld novels but the fact that he's he's doing that. Desert Island Discworlds which is uh again 
I'm not a, a Terry Pratch fan either, but like just I'm I'm just in awe of this Island the Squirrels. Yeah, right. That's like true. genuinely in awe of mm-hmm. what he's been able to do. And he, he hosted um the war effort for Shelf Toss as well. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys keep having far too many annotations. So they only did episode two hundred. See? Take Back that. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> um take that. Although there there too. was there was somebody mentioned the fact that there are there are the guys who started tweeting about Alex uh, podcasting about Alex Jones and Infowars and they are like they I think they literally release a podcast a day which is insane or something yeah well good for them they have like 800 plus episodes already and have been doing it you know like a fifth of the time that we have but (laughs) that's where we went wrong we should have done daily episodes yeah right yeah Um, that is that thing I was going to do the normal wrap-up, and I'm not sure there's a point. Uh, we're on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. Jeff's on Twitter at Lazy Bastard, at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I am at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, although it sounds like Jeff's not going to be on Twitter for much longer. Um, well, at least take we, a hiatus. I don't know. You know, we have um, we have a Patreon, but for all intents and purposes, the Patreon's going to be one down. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say I am a little like, oh, maybe we can we can ask people to give for one more month and throw it through the thing because I'm I'm lazy. You're very you're very nervous about the the mm-hmm. hosting. Yeah, yeah. I, again, like secrets behind the, the podcast uh, to everyone. Uh, the hosting in the last what two months, three months? Yeah, has um has not been what we expected. And it's been mm-hmm. more difficult than we expected, yeah. and on, and much more expensive than we expected in the end. And so our plan is to keep the site up, like Jeff said, for at least a year. Yeah. Um, and that's where the money is going towards that has come in for the last couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's all going there for like for once. We're not spending it on comics. We're actually all spending it on hosting, and have done since October, September, maybe. Wait, have done what since September? All the money's gone towards hosting in the end oh so, uh hmm? Hmm. we'll have to talk about this graham i may have been oh. defrauding you <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that that's a fun revelation yeah um, no 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 i'm like what i sent you your patreon money like it was just supposed to be this last month i think no 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 no, no. you have been defrauding me then no yeah yeah because uh, you were in town in october uh-huh yeah and we had a conversation then yeah, we had a conversation then, but the conversation was about hold on. Was was about doing it for this last month, I thought. Excuse me. Giving me money for the last couple of months. <laughs> hold on, I have two. Maybe half and I'm I'm completely I was blank. about to I say this is I definitely this don't is think, I definitely don't think that you gave it me last time. But at the same time, I just assumed it was going towards hosting and I'm fine with that. Okay. Which is great. I just Part of me wants. You could, have, you could have completely defrauded me, and I just would have thought that it was all going towards hosting. How anyway, funny would it be for us to actually have a fallout over money in like the last six minutes of the last episode? That would, that would be hilarious. That really would be great. But um, yeah, where's the where's my? Maybe he did. I mean, for real, maybe he did. Dude. All right, hold on. Where's my? Hang on, I'm just looking at PayPal. This is what the I find out. You've been paying me all along. Terrible. Recent activity. Uh, yeah, that's true. I got something in November. You're right. Yes. Thank God. Okay, because yeah, yeah, I really yeah. was. I had that moment of like, fuck, where's that money going to? If no, it's no, 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 you did. Yeah, you sent me something at the beginning of November. You're entirely right. I'm just misremembering. Woof. <laughs> Defraud away, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> 
again, I wouldn't be bothered. That's how terrible I am. No, it's um, amazing. L- ladies and gentlemen, another secret behind the podcast. I literally kept uh, I kept a Google uh, spreadsheet listing our expenses and the money we brought in and divvying it up and the money that got paid out. And I kept that up. Like, I've been doing it ever since we started the Patreon. And I'm just, I'm just curious. Have you ever looked at it? And that that is fine, really sweet and lovely. But actually, that's also <laughs> all the more reason why I was like, I absolutely one hundred percent have to be completely responsible about this. So. Uh, but again, this is when I remind you that um, after Thanksgiving, I went through three years worth of paperwork that I should have gone through, because I do tend to leave that shit to the very last minute. Wow, <laughs> the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, we're now getting horribly off track, as if we aren't already horribly off track. For again, a podcast is now three and a half hours long. Jeff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Lord, I'm sorry, everyone. That's I. I apologize if you're listening. The great part is, it's the last one, people. You can stop listening at any time. No, because okay, like the final Jeff. episode of the prisoner. Wait, what? I love the fact that you're like you're so reluctant to sing, but you'll totally break out the little instrumental things. You're like, yeah. Come on, the prisoner theme song so good. It is, it is fabulous. Um yeah, we're done, everyone. We are at this point just killing time trying not to end this podcast. Uh Jeff, before I sing us out for the last time, anything you want to say? Uh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, one would hope that it's been said in the three and a half hours leading. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, what not? With in all sincerity, um, this has been ridiculous, uh, in the in the best way. This has been yeah, a lot of fun. It has been at sometimes like awkward, and learning experience. It has been humbling, uh, and hilarious and it's been great it's been my favorite thing to do yeah you know it, it really has and i'm gonna miss it but also i'm not because i'm gonna get to keep talking to jeff and yeah. i'm really lucky in that Aww. so um sorry for giving you an anti-holiday present by ending, <laughs> ending the podcast um <laughs> for those of you who do the holidays i hope you have really good ones yeah. Um, for those of you who need to think that something good is going to happen in the new year, I'm sure it's going to. And for those of you who don't give a fuck, uh, we love you too anyway. <laughs> Jeff, say goodbye. Oh, damn. You said you, it wasn't the say goodbye, Jeff. I'm like, yes, finally my chance to pull a Gracie Allen. Good, goodbye, everyone. Thank you. And yes, goodbye. Bye.